Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This review may also contain spoilers regarding the show or any other anime in tonight's episode. I ask that you acknowledge watching this at your own risk before continuing. The opinions expressed are those of the individual actors in tonight's review, and do not reflect the podcast as a whole. Now, stand back as our performance takes center stage. You look perplexed. Ah, I take it this is the first time you've seen the talking giraffe before. I understand. Please, do not be alarmed. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy our review of Review Starlight. Alright boss, I'm ready to say the lines. Shoot, I forgot my lines. Um, lines. Okay, I, you know, I'm, lines. I'm just going to improv. No, no, forget it. I'm just going to improvise <laughs> this. Lines. Hello, and welcome to the Dub Talk Podcast Review. This is the show where we, a full female cast, get together and perform theatrical works of Western productions for you to enjoy. More specifically, we discuss the dubs of anime and find out if they are worthy of the show that they are based on. Whoa, whoa, and in this section here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. You said all female cast. Yes, all female cast. <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> you mean I'm, I'm the only female in this episode? What is wrong with you? What? No, no you're not. No, I, let me let me look around the room here. No. Um. Do you have uh, boobs? Jet. Do you have boobs? Jet, are you here? I understand. <laughs> there. See. See. Um. Jamal, are, are you in this room? I understand. There you go. See, see, and and Lilac, Lilac, are you in the room? I don't understand what everyone understands. You guys don't have boobs. What is it's, this? This is not an all female review. It's not our fault, okay? It, it's not about what's on the outside. It's what's it's about how you move. You know, it's about how you move your hips and how you wear that wig. You don't have hips. <laughs> Yes, I know. Boys don't have hips. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? I, what's wrong with me? I was born without two X chromosomes. That's what's wrong with me. Curse you, Y chromosome. <laughs> That's going down a sticky path. Yes, it is. But in case you couldn't tell, this is not an all-female cast. In fact, ironically enough, for a show that features an almost entirely female cast and is about a performing venue that is entirely female-based, we decided to make this three-quarters testosterone base for this particular show. Aren't we professionals? Because that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> hey, what? Uh, uh, actually, that makes more sense than the show itself, which is a uh, very... <laughs> why is there... <laughs> sorry. Why is there a talking giraffe? I'm sorry. That's a good question. <laughs> Jamal, why is there a talking giraffe? I don't know. <laughs> Jet, why is there a talking giraffe? I mean, I could answer that, but we're probably going to get into that very soon, so... <laughs> okay. Let's save it for Jet that. On the... Jet will be our source of reason in this madhouse. 
What is this madhouse exactly? I'm glad you asked. We are covering the English dub of Review Starlight. Not Starlight Review, Review Starlight. Because we're is... dumb and when we were picking shows, we actually said Starlight Review like morons. You, you did. I wrote down the right show. Shh. I just copy pasted it straight from the website. No one needs to know it was specifically me. Shh. Don't throw me under the bus, okay? <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry. We won't throw you under the bus, but we will throw you under the banana muffins. Don't you worry. What? It's funny. It's funny because I have bananas that I'm snacking on right now, too. <laughs> that, that's a joke, and you don't even know it yet. <laughs> so, yes, this is Review Starlight, which is the latest production from Kinema Citrus and directed by Tomohiro Furukawa, who... You may not recognize that name, but he has definitely worked on quite a few shows that you are probably familiar with. More specifically, an underling of Ikuhara, who directed shows like Revolutionary Girl Utena, Penguin Drum, and Yurikuma Arashi. And this show is very heavily steeped in that same tradition of review style in Japan. And by get... and, and when we say very heavy, we mean extremely heavy. We mean like this show is an is a love letter to. Takarazuka Review. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know what that is, um, Lilac, what, what is uh, Takarazuka Review? Basically, they are an, uh, an all-female musical theater troupe based in the Hyongo Prefecture of Japan. Um, they are, they're women who play all roles in lavish Broadway-style productions of Western-style musicals. Uh, and it was actually a, per, first adapted and put together uh, back in the early 1900s. So, yeah, very interesting. It, it's very old and it's very steeped in the what, what the modern uh, culture of Japanese theater productions. So. Yep, because Kabuki is elitist and dead at that time period. <laughs> that was the oh, reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> that and because they needed tourist attractions and people to buy train tickets to come to come to fucking Osaka. <laughs> like, Look, when it was weird. <laughs> when you are starting up, like you were just becoming an industrialized country and entering into you know the modern era. You need all of the tourist money you can get. It's true. To fund the giant robot productions. <laughs> the giant robot productions. You, you can't, you can't <laughs> build Gigantor without tourist money. Cha-ching. It's funny because Gigantor was basically around that same time period in terms, like, if we were talking about the setting of the show, not the actual production of it. So, as you can see, we're, um, we're going to be uh, getting very historical here tonight. And, um, and very theatrical a... because I'm here. <laughs> Yes, we um we have uh, people who have been in theater. Um, although actually, I should I, I know Lilac. You have mm -hmm. a theater degree. Oh, absolutely. I have a master's uh, in theater studies. Jet, do you have any theater experience of your own? Um, my theater experience mostly extends to some stuff I did in middle school. I got a best acting award there, and I oh, was nice. too lazy to pursue it in high school, and I kind of regret that. All right, but but still it's, a love for the theater, though, right? Like like some appreciation for it. Yeah, <laughs> good deal. Good it's deal. never oh. too late. You can join some com community theater productions. Never too late. You're right. You're absolutely right. You you can be the next. Considering uh, I know what town you live in, Jet, there is plenty of opportunities where you are. Ah, <laughs> uh, there there probably is. <laughs> yes, yeah. considering the Speaking graduate school I went to. Speaking of theater stars, Jamal, do you have experience on the stage yourself? Are you a thespian? 
Uh, I did a, a couple of places at elementary school and developed a serious case of stage fright, which I resolved till my high school years, but I've never done theater otherwise. Actually, no, I did do a, in martial arts, we did have to put on a, ex, a couple of stage shows, so. A couple of exhibitions? Yeah. You know what? Okay. We're going to need that expertise tonight because not only is this show about acting on stage, but there's also a whole lot of combat involved, isn't there? Oh, yes. A lot yeah, of stage combat. Yeah, uh, we should probably get to explain what, this, what the plot of this show actually is. <laughs> Thank you. So after that long padding <laughs> segment. So um, specifically, now you know this is a show about theater. This is specifically about students in the Seishou Music Academy. There is a group... We're following this particular group of characters in their second year as they are putting, uh, they're getting ready to put on the show Starlight. Um, and honestly, we, we're going to cover all the characters here because this show is the characters. All of them are uh, at various levels in their confidence as theater people. Um, some of them have higher aspirations as others. And this entire show is about following them as they compete against one another in this mysterious underground theater hosted by a talking giraffe. I still don't fucking understand. Talking but. giraffe to, uh, to, to try to figure out who's going to be the leads, basically. Because if you've ever been in a theater production, you know that it's all about competing against each other in those auditions. No, I don't have, uh, uh, I'm not bitter about not getting the lead role in South Pacific. Stop asking me! <laughs> <laughs> So, with that I, I, didn't, way, I didn't get to be Maria in West Side Story. Don't judge me. I, you're right. I didn't. I didn't get to be Maria in West Side Story, and I'm still pissed off about that. God damn what it. gives? Maria. I just met a girl named Maria. And I, I, I'll, I'll have to move on from that. Okay. So as for, now, uh, this particular show, though, this anime itself, is interesting because this is actually a dubcast from Sentai Filmworks. Yay! This is like so the are... second or third dubcast we're actually covering. Because depending yeah. on the order of editing stuff, uh, middleman it's either Middle Management Blues or Review Starlight is going to go up one before the other, so. Right. Um, and that, so, um, if you watch that episode, you got an idea about um, what we thought about that dubcast. Now let's talk about the other one. <laughs> And so with that being said, let's jump into who is directing and script writing this review. Now, um, I should ask, did you three thespians have any predictions? Um, and now, if you didn't, I, it's okay, because this is, you know, the Sentai Houston group. We may not be as familiar with it. So if you didn't have predictions, that's okay. I do have predictions. Uh, what? I also have predictions. So did what? I. You're going to be proud well, of me because I may. Here's the thing. So, yes, we're recording this in September. This show, the dub, has been going on for several weeks now. I have been able to avoid spoilers except for one thing, and mm -hmm. I made predictions, and I watched the dub in the same goddamn day. <laughs> this woman I has am proud a of myself serious binging this problem. I am proud of you, but you got a binging problem. I have a you, time you gotta management space this problem. Out. I have a time management problem, because work has been a heck of a time lately, so. I feel you. Fair enough. So as far as um, who had the, the time to direct and script write this, um, I guess we should figure out what our predictions were. Jet, who did you think would write and direct this dub? Uh, let's see. Director, I said Shannon Reed on the basis of I had seen Chihaya Furu. And um, I liked what I heard of that dub, and I figured, okay, that's a JoJo thing. This is... I mean, it's... A, I mean, it's... 
a mix between an idol show and like a classical JoJo like Ikuhara thing. So I figured, hey, this might work out. So why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The style is definitely in the like. You could easily uh, compare this to a sports anime, right? In the we're competing against each other to be the best that like no one ever was kind of show. <laughs> really? Pokemon. Pokemon is a sports anime. God damn it. Fuck you, fight me. We're not starting <laughs> this again. No. Um, sorry, sorry. Okay, uh, script, I said Caitlin Barr. I honestly don't remember what my logic was there. I, I, I guess I was just kind of like throwing names on an artboard. I'm sorry. I that's, mean, probably because she, perfectly fine. I'm going to assume because she wrote a nice chunk of scripts that came out really well because... Haikyuu came out well. I think she wrote the script for Nozaki Kun. I'm just going off a of brain here. Yeah, she did. Uh, I think you're right. She did. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, Lilac, do you have a director, script writer pick? I do. But most of this is basically based on who did staffing stuff from the previous dubcast season. All right. And that would mean in my brain, they probably have time to do another one. So director-wise, I it was e- for me it was either going to be one of two people. It was either going to be Kyle Kobe Jones or John Swayze. Since <laughs> see, because they both directed stuff from last season, uh, Kyle Kobe Jones being Devil's Line and John Swayze doing Doreku. And in terms of the writer, this is more pertaining to Kyle Kobe Jones because if Kyle Kobe Jones is directing, more than likely he's there's a good shot he's going to be writing. Um, yeah. He was the only writer prediction I had. Okay. And Jamal? Uh, I was somewhat thrown out on that board. I had Shannon Reed as my first pick because I really liked the way he handled the school life, which mm. was probably a mistake to binge watch all of it before Halloween. Oh, Good job. My, oh, you poor boy. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, I, but, yeah, but I also had Kyle Kobe Jones because he's normally the go-to of Sentai's. And you know, if he's directing, he's probably going to be writing too. I also had John Swayze because I really wanted to... I never really got to know much of his work other than Flip Flappers. I wanted to see... I wanted to give him a shot and see what he could do with this kind of show. Yeah. As for scriptwriter, my other two were uh, Marta Bechtel and Clint Bickham because I guess, again, throw thoughts on the dartboard. I don't really know much Sentai writers besides those two in Kyle at that point. I had more, but they kind of... Moved to Dallas, so... You're talking Caitlin and Emily, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm not surprised that that would have been a prediction. Um, and those are all really good guesses. Um, I'm also going to join you guys in the just kind of guessing crowd. Um, but but uh, I had a very scientific way of guessing this. I looked at the cast list for Food Wars and just picked the girls from there and put them in the show instead. Good job. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hear a few familiar voices from my own predictions. And um, for writing and directing, I had the same ones that you guys did because I wrote, thought Kyle Colby Jones direct this one. In parentheses, I wrote who else? Because I, I, he's like the he's the poster child for uh, anime directing over at Sentai. Done it for a long time, and like you guys said, a lot of really good shows. And as for the writing, I again I just thought, okay, who wrote Food Wars? Um, okay, uh, George Manley and Marta Bechtel. Not, uh, not not for any particular reasons, but those are people who I know can write and are doing it in Houston, so I thought, sure, let's write it down. And um, I'm proud to say that one of us, two of us, got one of the predictions right. Give yourselves a round of applause. 
because the directing on this one is being done by one super manly John Swayze. Huzzah! Yes. Huzzah, indeed. He has done a lot of acting and a lot of directing. In fact, if we were to look down his cast list for directing, you would be very surprised because he has done things like Saint Seiya. He has directed Seven Heavenly Virtues. He oh, has directed... I, yes, I will, rem I will remind you of that. He has directed... Uh, uh, God, how do you pronounce this? this Tanaka-kun is always listless. I want to get that spoken correctly, right? And he's also directed, um, just going back to like a really old thing he's done, Welcome to the NHK back in the day. Oh. I forgot he did that. Yep. And I regretted not having my NHK sleeve with me when I went to PortCon and I met him last year. I was so mad. You know, it, it, it's, it's all good. It's all good. But you can't have a good directed script without a really good writer. And in this case, um, I don't think any of us got this one, actually, because it's uh, a name that I haven't heard before. Joel McRae. Nope. Are you guys familiar? Not from... Oh, only, yeah, familiar. Is, only as a production assistant, but not a script. Okay. And that's probably why all of uh, his credits, or at least most of them, keep saying disc authoring. Um, but not all of them. Um, for instance, um, he helped do the script on Chihaya Furu, both the first and the second season. Um, I'm seeing any other ones here, because it, it all says, like, you know, Blu-ray and disc authorizing. But that, that's an interesting jump to go from authorizing the discs to writing the scripts. It's a very intriguing jump, in all that, honesty. That is, I'm like, how, how do you... Wow. I mean, we're... But, I mean, it's something that I think... Ever since the whole broadcast dub era has even started, you're seeing, you are seeing a lot more people who were like behind the scenes in other odd technical roles stepping forward and like taking on these major roles in a way. Like, cause, um, example, Chris George was an audio engineer before he really started getting in the directing chair, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris so George you're, was. Yeah, you're yeah. starting to see that more and more. Um, yeah. So, okay, so good on Joel, then. This is, like, uh, if I'm reading his credits correctly, this is, like, maybe his second time writing for a script. Like, if we count um, Chihaya Furu as one show. So, yeah. hey, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about how this directing and writing actually did. Jet, tell us a little bit about your reactions to Review Starlight's directing and writing. Okay, um... Uh, so I'm a really big fan of Gain Hiko Ikuhara shows, and while he didn't direct this particular show. It's very reminiscent of that style, and uh, it really helped to make this one appeal to me, obviously. Uh, sadly, the last time Zentai done the Nikuhara show, we got Penguin Drum, which is simultaneously my favorite anime of all time and one of my most despised dubs of all time. So, <laughs> uh, fortunately, the individual responsible for that travesty no longer works at Zentai, but uh, it did make me a little bit nervous about this one. Uh, Fortunately, it ended up in John Swayze's hands, and Lucio and Toro was one of my favorite duds from last year, so I was pretty optimistic he could pull this off. Um, all that said, I was a little bit mixed on the direction, to be honest. Uh, there's a few performances in here that I really, really like. Uh, a, 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 couple, a couple that I found to be pretty solid, and then a couple that were kind of didn't really do it much for me. And uh, that kind of caused my enjoyment to slightly vary from episode to episode. Uh, I definitely like this a lot more than Penguin Drum's dub so far, but uh, it, uh, but, uh, but it kind of felt like there was a little bit of spark missing for me in the direction, and I can't rate it quite as high as the other John Swayze dubs I've seen, which is a little bit disappointing. Uh, 
Script-wise, things are pretty solid. I'm uh, also keeping up with the simulcast, and while this isn't like a total one-to-one -one translation, uh, there was definitely a very clear effort to stay as faithful as possible. And for a show like this, where there's a lot of like small, little hidden context clues for like the overall plot, it seemed like a very smart decision to do that, so I'm glad they did. And uh, I also, again, appreciate the lack of slags, and that was one of the other things that upset me about the Penguin Drum Dub, and I... Um, okay, well, that's enough of a sentence about that. I swear I won't talk about that dub again. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I remember watching the dub for that, like, when it first came out, and I only watched, like, the first episode of Penguin Drum and Dub, and, yeah, you could tell, like, this is not right for this kind of show. This is just way too trying to be hip. Yeah. Uh, so, all in all, uh, script is pretty good. Uh, direction was, uh, direction for me was serviceable, but not, like, super great. But, I mean, I didn't have any, like, super, super big problems with Nothing. it. Uh, Lilac, similar thoughts or not? Uh, I'd say my thoughts are pretty similar. <laughs> um, in terms of the script, because uh, I watched the first four episodes of the Japanese and the English in the same day. In the span of a few hours. So, in terms of the script, it pretty much is a one-for-one -one with the Japanese translation or the subtitles on High Dive. Uh, maybe with the exception of, like, a few things here or there, mostly for the sake of matching lip flaps. But, like Jet was saying, considering some of the hidden context and subtle little clues that, are, that you could, like, hide here and there throughout the show so far, I think it actually works to the show's benefit with uh, the dub's benefit if the script is more one for one than anything. Um, mm -hmm. And especially for someone who's still fairly new on the script writing front, it's not a bad thing because you're still working on developing your own style of writing too, which right now it seems like the style is going very, very faithful, which is fine. It's not it's not a bad thing at all, but it'll be interesting to see um, the development in terms of writing style with future projects, considering this is, the, from what we know of at least, the second show that he's written, he's written for. In terms of direction, it's also very interesting. Because um, I don't see John Swayze directed shows often enough. The only shows that I've seen John Swayze direct... Our Welcome to the NHK, and the last time I watched the show was years ago, and I clearly need to watch it again. And, um, Doreku <laughs> from last season. And first of all, review Starlight is a, like, already a step above Doreku in terms of the direction department. Though, a good amount of the fault on that dub is the show itself, so I can't blame John for that one. <laughs> um, no. Doreku is a mess of a show. Um, yeah. So, I find it very interesting that, considering where my brain and my knowledge of John Swayze's directed shows is, we go from dark comedy, dark horror psychological, to cute and fluffy musical <laughs> girls. It's obviously a different contrast, but it actually, I think, is a good thing to show... The, the range that John has in his directing style. And I think, review Starlight, I think the dub is also really serviceable right now. Um, there are a few performances that I think, as of watching four episodes, I don't think they fully come into their own yet. I can see the hints here and there, and I can see the slow progression, but I think they aren't quite 
where they should be right yet. Um, granted, again, at the time of recording this, I think up to, like, what, episode 7, episode 8 of the dub is out now? Seven. Episode 7, seven. Is up, episode 8 comes out later. Okay. Like, I think on Saturday. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it comes out, like, the same, around the same time as Summercast episode does, so. Yep. Just two weeks behind. Sounds about right. But, um, yeah, so, granted, I... I've only watched up to episode four of the dub, so that's where my knowledge stands. So whether or not the cast has grown more into these roles and into these characters, for me, I haven't seen that yet. But I can tell that there's little inklings of that happening here and there at this point. Uh, so I do like what the direction is going. The cast is very diverse and says, like, no, no two people really sound the same. Which I appreciate a lot, because they're very distinguishable vo- distinguishable voices in this cast. Um, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as Jet. The dub right now is serviceable, um, but I'm just I'm just curious to know how the performances are gonna s- grow more into their own and kind of grow in with their characters as the show progresses. So Jamal, um, that's uh, something like no one's having like a very strong reaction to the dub, uh, at least in terms of directions go. Um, how about yourself? Uh, honestly, I don't blame them because I kind of feel the same way. I mean, for, for one thing, some of the script writing is like to try to keep with like cr- as close to the lip flaps as possible, as close to the Japanese as possible. To the point mm-hmm. I can actually see them like stretching out the syllables, like try to match it syllable for syllable. And at some points, it kind of feels off to me. I mean, if it was one one, there's a there was a joke about Karen in the episode two where the he called calls her an idiot. In Japanese, it's Bakaren. Mm-hmm. In the English, it's idiot Karen. So and that's like right after Karen uh, gets like um, I think she's being confronted by Hikari, right? Yeah, no, she's trying no. to find Hikari. Hikari yeah. is just hiding from her. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he gets called, he, Kari calls Karen Edith a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to remember which one. But given that this is Joe's second time, technically, I can kind of give him benefit of the doubt. I think Joe's just started coming to his own script, but it's going to take him some time to get there, but I believe he can get through it. Well, it's with the direction. The direction is kind of serviceable for the most part. The casting, however, it's. A, mixed bag i mean it goes from like for me from like standout performances to good performances to just okay to miscast what if what if what if which we'll talk about later but the other it was like some of the background a uh, background character too like in episode four where the carriage tried to find Kari and she sees a blurry picture points it to a child and the child says jellyfish i'm like you're um, way too old to be voicing the child <laughs> yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's a similar issue that devil's line had actually where a good amount of like the main cast as well as some of the um minor characters were good and then you get to the background characters and it's like what are you doing yeah it happens in a lot of shows yeah because i thought Maybe, you know, I because I'm not too familiar with John's directed. I mean, like I said, the only thing I recognize his directed is Flip Flappers, and I thought that was solid. I think here he may have been a little out of his element, but I think <laughs> I'm hoping that will pick up soon, and maybe I'm just wrong. So, well, yeah, see, I, I um... see, I need to still watch Tanaka Kun because it's, I think, in terms of like 
maybe like slice of life, more light, fluffy content. That might be more close. That's the closest thing to review Starlight. And I need to see how he went with that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even, I don't know if I'd even call review Starlight light and fluffy because it, it's super mellow dramatic uh, at certain points. That's but why I'll I said it's that. the it, closest thing. I, <laughs> as close I mean, as you I can don't... get. Consider, dude, remember NHK and fucking Doreku. And Ushio well, and Tora. NHK was fluffy as fuck. Okay? That show was like my go-to feel-good anime of whatever whatever year I watched that. If in. you want to go with conspiracy theories, yes. Well, I mean, I talking about this show. I don't go to this for light and fluffy because it's um, this is like a soap opera. It is like super okay. about all of the the you know catty characters battling against each other and then being friends with each other afterwards and how do you convey that into an english dub is the question so the way that john took it was that he, he seemed to just be very archetypal in this regard i don't know if um they were put off by the negative reactions to both the utana dub and the penguin drum dub but they definitely didn't seem to want to get very ambitious in uh directing on this one um even one character who we'll get to who begs to be super campy in her French accent, was even played a little more straight than I thought it was going to be. So there's a lot about this that I can understand why they made it more archetypal. I'm not even going to say it was just like, it wasn't boring, it was just, it's archetypal. Uh, same goes with the script writing too, because uh, like I said, I think they were being cautious about being too liberal with the words on this, and I don't even know how you could make it more um, more liberally adapted for an English audience. It's, it's kind of the... Um, the uh, Azumanga Daio or Lucky Star situation where this is a show that is set so heavily in Japanese stuff. Like, this is a Japanese, uh, a 100-year-old Japanese theater production by Japanese characters, made by a Japanese uh, card game company, that it's it kind of begs to not be westernized, even though uh, the review is... Uh, even though Zuka Review is, like, super influenced by Western stuff. So I'm glad that they did what they did with it. They let all of the English actors speak uh, in the way that they were, and they didn't try to make them super flamboyant, you know? This isn't, like, Eurovision, which is what I was, thought they were going to do at first. I thought they were going to be like, let's make Eurovision the anime in the dub, and they didn't quite do that. God, that'd be a different show entirely if they did with Eurovision. <laughs> I mean, you've seen Eurovision, right? Like, you know no. super no. No. no, but I've seen clips. Okay, well, that's all you need. All you, you, You've seen, like, the saxophone guy, right? No. Oh, that uh, gif. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll link it to you later. You people listening, you know the saxophone guy. You know who I'm talking about. I, I guess I want to ask the question. Did you? Would you guys have preferred it if they had made this campier and more over-the-top dramatic, or they directed the actors to be that way? Uh, no, actually, I don't. No, because the thing is, I mean, they're aspiring to be actors, so it's already level where it is right now. Right, and, and then the reviews themselves, they take on, like you were kind of saying, a more melodramatic tone, and I think it works, the direction they're going with on that one. Now, as uh, I guess I'm just gathering from everyone that no one said they disliked it. Like, uh, this wasn't a dub that would have, like, convinced you to watch it strictly in the sub. Um, it's, it's serviceable for the content they have, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it all is going to come down to the individual performers then. So, um, move over stage left over to the next performance. Because we're going to talk about our what what I have dubbed the two instructors of the group. Um, these are the only two characters. <laughs> God who are, damn it! 
They're not. They're not students. The rest of the cast is students. These two are, they're instructors. They're the cat. Okay. Anyways, um, so who are we to? We've got um, Ray Sakuragi, who is the the only teacher who we hear about. We don't see any other teachers at all in the school. She's the only one there, and she's like the, the homeroom teacher, basically. We see another teacher. Girls. I don't remember which one. She was teaching like a, a normal class, and she wears like glasses and then like black. I think maybe like a dress or something. Or okay, I, I meant more like did any of them get named? Okay, that's what you I, referred I, to. Then yes, she's the only one. But there are other fucking teachers. <laughs> sure, sure. So, uh, well, actually, yes, there is another teacher. There is uh, this long-necked individual who leads it. all the girls on their Why? path towards their dreams. Why? Okay. Why is this a There's thing? There's a giraffe. Why? Is his name Jeffrey? God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, you he know, he, he is out of a job, so um, I guess I'm not surprised that he uh, took uh, up a job uh, at uh, the Music Academy. <laughs> Rest in peace, Toys R Us. <laughs> well, I mean, he, know, didn't, he didn't want to grow up, you know? I mean, no, no, he, he's, it's a, he's, a, he's a Starlight Review kid. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys uh, R Us kid. <laughs> All right, Jamal, since uh, you brought up the mood with that pun, you get to tell us who you predicted. Uh, for the draft, I figured somebody bold, so I went David Wald and Andrew Love. <laughs> if I could piggyback <laughs> off of that, I also thought David Wald would be the giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> While I like staying in the corner over there, I had... Yep. Uh, Stephanie Widdles, Genevieve Simmons, and Rachel Landon, because all of them could do older women very easily. And one of them I kind of piggybacked off of an earlier comment in an earlier episode, so... Yes, uh, well, let's bring yourself back together over there. I'm yes. fine! Sir. No, 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 you're dying. Um, I didn't make any for the teacher, both because she didn't set out to me, and also because I didn't think we were going to be covering her, so... Uh... <laughs> uh that's awesome! <laughs> That, that's one less picture for the editor to put up on the screen. Uh, as, okay, uh, Giraffe, I was also thinking, like, Jamal was, I was figuring out, okay, like, someone bombastic who can sound, like, kind of happy, but not, like, super over the top. Um, so I based this off of the fact that I, like, had listened to the YouTube and Torrent dub a while back, and, uh, was like, okay, and, I, like, and he played a particular, and he played a particular character with a certain... Well, no, he played a character with a certain kind of voice that I found to kind of match what I figured what the giraffes would sound like. So I said Jay Hickman. Oh, lovely. Um, I, I, I question your logic about what a giraffe is supposed to sound like. And I said, okay, like he voiced a talking weasel in that show. <laughs> 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 okay. Ah, yes, I remember going to the zoo and being told by the zoologist, you see this weasel and this giraffe? They're practically the same animal. God damn it. <laughs> okay, now that we've got Lilac put back together, can you survive long enough to tell us who you thought would voice these two? And yes, I know that one of them you're spoiled on, so you don't have to make a prediction if you didn't make a prediction. Uh, I don't know. Did you want to finish your predictions first? Because, I mean, me being spoiled on one of those could actually be a good <laughs> good uh, transition to who plays these guys. No, I'll let you go, because I also didn't have a prediction for the teacher. I, I, Ray was just like, I, I have no idea. Okay. So I didn't even write one right. down before I looked at the cast list. All right. Um, so for the teacher, I my entire cast list, I tried to, I got at least one 
prediction per character, except for one. Uh, or two in this case. So for the teacher, I actually had Shelly Colleen Black. Uh, she, I felt like she could be a mature, mature sounding teacher. So here's the story with the giraffe. <laughs> uh, go for it. Take of the reins. So, uh, as I said earlier, I man- somehow magically managed to avoid this show like the plague. Uh, in terms of casting spoilers and all that stuff. Except for one. And it was the giraffe, because the uh, actor decided to uh, constantly tweet on Twitter about the giraffe. But here's the thing. (laughs) So, I didn't know the giraffe talked. (laughs) So here I am, sitting down, like, okay, so this actor is excited to play a giraffe and is going to be making giraffe noises in the booth. And then I watched the show, and then I think I proceeded to text Andrew, and I'm like, why the fuck is the giraffe talking? <laughs> this makes no sense. He's like, be- he's like, why wouldn't the giraffe be talking? Like, because it's a fucking giraffe! But yeah, I got spoiled in the giraffe because the actor was kept tweeting about it constantly. And then I had a misunderstanding, and I didn't know the giraffe actually talked in the goddamn show. Well, who? Fine, fine. Don't you've been spoiled on it? You want to tell us who was the guy who wouldn't stop tweeting about it? Uh, that would be one, Mr. J. Hickman. There we go. And yes, you were right, Jet. It was indeed J. Hickman, the man himself who the weasel who is also a giraffe. I I want to point out that not only is he a giraffe, but his email address is the dude at jhickman.net. Like that. That, <laughs> that in itself shows you how cool. That's I like just that. awesome. The dude. I mean, I like Jay Hickman. You've probably you have heard before. I guarantee, if you've heard an anime, you've heard this guy before because he's been around for quite a while. Um, going back to stuff like the Angelic Layer days, he was Shuji Inada. Back to a modern time in Amaki Brilliant Part, he is Takaya Kurusi. Um, in a show that's kind of similar to this, Kaleido Star, he played the fool in that in both seasons of that one. Um, and is there uh, one in here that, yep, I, I gotta point this one out just because it's, like, the greatest thing ever. If if you don't he, point out what I think you're gonna point out, I'm gonna disown you. I feel, okay, fine, you wanna say it? You're I don't ta- wanna disappoint you. You're talking about Princess Tutu, right? I'm, I'm glad that you said that, because I was like, I, I, ah! I her by not mentioning Princess Tutu. But yes, what I know him best for is he is Muto in Princess Tutu. The, the manliest character from the manliest anime ever made. Because all men must watch Princess Tutu. Real men watch Princess Tutu. That's the saying. Yes, if we were all men, we would watch Princess Tutu. But we're not. This is an all-female cast. Speaking of all females, we should also talk about our teacher, who is actually voiced by Joanna Bonasso. And Joanna has uh, quite a list of characters that range all over the place from... Older sounding to younger sounding characters. Um, as far as older character goes, she voices the character of of uh, the dorm mother Fumio Naimido in Food Wars. She is Magical Ruby in Fate, Kiliad, Liner, Prisma, Ilya. Yes, nailed it in the first try. Yeah, collide. Damn it! <laughs> and fail. And fail. <laughs> Speaking of failing, she also plays Yuzuki Seo in Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun. And as one more for you, just to you know throw it out there, she is also Lucia Nahashi. Nahashi. 
I'll get that name right eventually, in Venus versus Virus. Obviously the greatest show with the word Venus that it ever made. I don't think I'll Now, think so. as far as uh, this reaction, um, Lilac, I want you to tell me what you thought of the giraffe and the teacher. Time out for five seconds. It's Joanne, not Joanna, first of all. I apologize. Just making sure. My handwriting sh- is awful. It's okay. Just slight time out on that one. Um, time in. <laughs> so you want to know You want to know about the giraffe? <laughs> That's what I you want? The giraffe. Don't get it's the weirdest like like, like the show is. Why the fuck weird, does the but... giraffe talk? I don't understand, show. It's uh, anime logic. Uh, what I hope in my head is later on in the show we discovered that the giraffe is a real fucking person and probably the principal <laughs> of this goddamn school. But if I'm throwing logic into the show right now, it's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Not th- not helped by the fact that the giraffe's m- lips don't move. It's it's just like telepathic speaking. Well, in that fucking regard, Jay Hickman has the easiest role in the entire show. <laughs> Therefore, he has the most fun in the entire show as a talking <laughs> telepathic giraffe of some sort. Um, but it's not it's not a hammy role though. No, is it's it? not. It's it's played. It's interesting because I think it's played brilliantly. It's a mix of like otherworldly being mixed with talking giraffe or whatever the hell this thing is mixed with it's because the giraffe is associated with these reviews with these auditions there's also a theatricality to it and you can tell with some of the inflection and the the maybe little lack of emotion that the giraffe has because the giraffe doesn't convey like huge bits of emotion where because when you're on stage you have to project and you have to like use big movements and go with big facial expressions but even with a giraffe that doesn't really have big motions or facial expressions and doesn't have at least a lot of emotion to work with, there is still a sense of theatricality in Jay's performance. And I think it's actually really brilliant how this is done with such an, I'm going to call him an animate because he doesn't fucking do a damn thing with an animate mascot character. I just think it's very interesting the kind of direction that this performance is going despite it not despite Jay not having those lip flaps or having that emotion to really work with, it still has that sense of theatricality and the melodrama to it, which I really, really appreciate. Um, As for Joanne, Joanne, like, if I had thought about it, like, Shelley Colleen Black is mature, like, lower, like, alto kind of voice is the direction I thought the teacher was going. Joanne Bonasso is actually in a similar range. So I'm mad at myself for not predicting her. So <clears throat> I, I like her performance of the teacher. And she actually does have some fun moments as well. Uh, like the <laughs> the end of episode four. Hey, uh, Anjo, Hikari, come to the staff room <laughs> and make sure you bring all the people who covered for you too. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting corporal punishment. You're in trouble. I, I thought it was really good. I just wish, I, I do kind of wish we could see the teacher a bit more. Um, but all things considered, consi- since this is this series is more about these students and these girls, um, mm-hmm. 
it makes it, I'm I'm fine with her not having a larger role, but the character her role her performance of the character herself at least stands out enough to me to make it memorable, which is good. All right. Jet, um, what, what are your thoughts about um, the teacher and the teacher with a really long neck? Um, so I don't have too much to say on the teacher because she isn't really around that much. Um, but, uh, but I thought the performance there was pretty good. It's not, like, it sounded pretty distinct and, um, I was like, and it certainly was, but also wasn't, you know, like very distracting or anything. So I appreciated that. Uh, like, I mean, I wish I had more to say, but, like, she was there to fill a void, and she filled that void pretty well. Um, that, Are you saying that we could have we can't have a school without the teacher? Uh, I, mean, I, mean, we can, I mean, we can, but, you know. But that I would mean, also turn into a school-live incident, don't you think? Mm, spoilers? Um, I, I haven't I even seen school-live, alright? All I know is this post-apocalyptic bullshit. That's um, all I know. Uh, at the best. Uh, you would, uh, would also be wrong because there actually is one teacher in that cast. So. See, see, my knowledge uh, again, is terrible. Again. I haven't seen the show. Um, well, I, again, that's why I say spoilers, but those of you who've seen the show know why I'm going wink-wink on that regard. Wink-wink, nudge-nudge. Okay, uh, now for he, now for Jay Hickman as a giraffe. Uh, well, Jay Hickman was who I wanted, obviously, so that worked out pretty nicely. Um... It's like, and, uh, yeah, it's like, and, yeah, I definitely appreciate, uh, the way he sounds. Uh, he, like, like, his voice sounds very distinct and, like, refined, but not, like, super hammy. Like, he's definitely having a lot of fun with it, but it's not going, like, so over the top that it becomes really distracting. And, and I definitely appreciate that, because, uh, while the giraffe is, like, certainly surreal, it's, uh... Uh, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's kind of weird to explain, but a giraffe, I mean, a giraffe is real, but he's just, you know, kind of, like, part of the background, essentially. So, anyway, I was, uh, very happy with how Jay Hickman played that. I was pretty All impressed right. with it. And, uh, no, uh, and, uh, I'll, like, one thing I will say is that there were a couple of times where I, there were a couple of times where even though I knew it was Jay Hickman, I honestly kind of confusing it with David Wald. <laughs> it sounded really similar to him for some reason. Really? <laughs> That, I mean, I mean that would still be funny if it ended up being David Wall. That'd be the funniest shit in the world. Okay, uh, but anyway, yeah, I liked it. I liked both of these performances. They were very good. Um, I'm kind of interested that you uh, you mentioned that uh, it was like he was having a lot of fun with it because like in my own thoughts on this for uh, Jay Higgins' giraffe, it sounded a lot more reserved than I thought there was going to be. He had like this uh, consistent announcer voice to him, like he was just the guy commenting on everything with an echo reverb in the back. Uh, but I feel like that's kind of what the giraffe is supposed to be. So. He kind of is that, and maybe slight, and maybe slight exposition dump if anything. I understand. <laughs> I do not. Yeah, understand. yeah, yeah. I mean, like when I say he was having fun with it, I mean like you could tell he was have. I mean, he was like having fun like with the voice yeah. in such a way. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like like like, like mostly the way he delivered his lines. Th that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, can I mean, see I, that. I don't know how much more fun you could have with a character that is a stoic animal is not making jokes and has no explanation for why he's the hair. Again, my theory, my, my, again, my theory is there's an actual like teacher behind it, but I'm probably fucking wrong. It, it's symbolic, so. you know, like, like uh, all the animals have like symbolism behind them. The lion is about loyalty and respectability. The cheetah is about speed and the giraffe is like, I 
I, I have yet to figure out what the draft stands for. Good job. <laughs> I, for some reason, my brain was slowly going Wizard of Oz. The lion is courage. Scarecrow is the heart. Yeah. No, Scarecrow is brains. Tin Man is the heart. My brain defaulted to Wizard of Oz. For some there reason. is no. I have read every Oz book. There is no giraffe in any of them. I'm sorry that we can't draw a comparison to what that talent. <laughs> Whoops. I, I've but... got. Honestly, I've got more to say about uh, Joanne uh, because her performance was uh, one that really could have been under understated. There was a whole lot of like emphasis on the students. So there is a lot to respect, though, about her performance as the drama teacher because she sounded like her voice was somewhere between a drama teacher and a math teacher. She's not over the top and cheesy Team Rocket style drama, and she's not... <laughs> Ben Stein, straightforward Bueller. Here's your class lesson. Kind oh, of math hold on, teacher. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you view all theater teachers to be bubbly, flamboyant, bombastic human beings? Because they're no. not. No, no, no. But this is an anime, and we like to be over the top and melodramatic. That doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm saying that this is what I think a teacher, a good teacher, sounds like from my personal experience. You know, it's one who still has that zest and. Uh, enthusiasm for the subject that they're teaching about without being just another big kid. You know, she's actually a professional at what she does. So, yeah, good, pro good props on Joanne. I was, about to, I, was about to, I was about to say, if you're accusing all theater teachers of being, like, a, ge a, a generic stereotype, then I might no. have to fly up to Grand Rapids and kick your ass. I, You know, you have plenty of reasons to do that without this. So I expect you here in a couple of days. I will have the Yowie paddle ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. All right, speaking of people who want to kick my butt, Jamal, what, what are your thoughts about <laughs> these characters? Thank you very much. Let's uh, with the teacher. I thought Joanne, she was very authoritative. Like, her voice is very distinct. I I didn't, I didn't think this was the voice that would be coming out of her because the only time I'm familiar with her is her character in Food Wars, but I did like, I did like her authority because... Especially in episode four, where uh, the rest of the students <laughs> are covered up for Ikari and Karen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, y'all are starting to learn how to act. You really think you're going to fool an acting teacher? <laughs> to the point, I almost Damn believe they try. pulled it off. To the point, I almost believe they pulled it off until she told everybody to meet her after class for their punishment. I was like, yeah, you can't fool that teacher. But Joanne did a very good job put conveying that. Yeah. As as for the giraffe, however, and this is kind of a testament to Sentai Dubs, because I don't listen to a lot of Sentai Dubs, so I don't know who a lot of people are sometimes. Like, the last time I heard Jay Hickman was in Food Wars. And so when I started listening to the dub, I started listening to the giraffe talk, I'm like, is that Jay Hickman? <laughs> You are yeah, his voice is very distinctive to the point like if I don't know his, I don't know much of his work, but I can recognize him easily. Oh, I mean, we got a lot to show you, man. We got a lot. I mean, to show I you. understand, but still, I mean, <laughs> clearly Jamal In needs fact, to watch. I, needs to it, watch Tutu. I, I, it's almost like uh, if only someone had bought him a copy of it uh, that he could. Uh, mm. open, we'd watch it at his mm. own free will, but that would never happen. <laughs> you know, I can read between the lines, right? I mean, I, I mean, if you wanted to send me a copy, I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> <laughs> and now no one knows what to get Jet for Christmas. I guarantee it will be on the next Sentai sale, and I will probably be buying 20 more copies to send to people. I already have mine, so you're good. 
I I will send it to the people who still need to be inducted into the cult of Tutu. All right, speaking oh, of people who are big big fans of Tutu, uh, Jay Hickman. <laughs> Surprise! Huh? So with that, I believe we've covered all of our uh, educators in quotation marks. Like I'm grouping both Ray and the giraffe in there just because they're the the authority figures of the show. For whatever reason, there to be a giraffe as an authority authoritative figure, I guess. Well, I mean, he does that kind of tall, you know. That's true. (laughs) Doesn't mean Jack squat. He's still a giraffe. So, um, speaking of um, people who. Actually, no, I don't. I, I was going to go with the segue, but I'm not going to go to a segue here. Let's talk about students instead. We have gone from the teachers. We're going to talk now about the large cast of this show. And yes, we are going to talk all about all of them. However, to save time, we have grouped all of them into pairs, into who they're best suited to go with. And the first ones we're going to talk about are the uh, lesbian BFFs of the show. No, not that one. The other ones. Yes, those ones. We're going to uh, talk about... Uh- you know, mm-hmm. that, that describes like literally every single one of yeah. them. It kind That's, of yeah. does. That's why Except I said not Karen th- is in a love triangle right now. <laughs> yeah. My point is, is that these two characters who are Karuko Hanayagi and Futaba Isurugi are the ones who have the most chummy relationship with each other. They're not confrontational. In fact, their relationship is that uh, Karuko is actually part of the long line of famous... Uh, her like her she was a famous performer when she was really young and Futaba was like her BFF and also her gopher to like I uh she's gonna get her snacks and help her out but as they got a little bit older they both entered into Seisho Music Academy and are kind of uh in a mom daughter sister-ish kind of relationship in terms of Futaba has to take care of Karuko and they are not really uh not so subtle on the we love each other kind of relationship with that they're set. not kissing cousins no 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 <laughs> oh what's that... funny here's the funny thing those two characters and i haven't seen that far in sailor moon they are very very reminiscent yes of yes and yes yes even i I'm made the comparison well if that's your I comparison mean, i made that comparison deal. in that case um jamal tell me who you thought might voice these two lesbian uh, cousins i mean roommates Fuck you guys Okay, then, for Kaoko, I had Emily Neves and Genevieve Sivens, because I wanted, I don't know, I guess I wanted somebody who could do a little soft-spoken, something natural. For Futaba, Fut- okay, before I go out, Futaba's the pink-haired one, right? I keep forgetting. Yes, yes. Futaba's the pink-haired, The Kaoko tomboy is, is short hair. hair. Okay, for Futaba, I had Margaret McDonald, because I figured the tomboyish character, yeah, she mm. could provide that voice easily. Can I just jump in yeah. at this stage? What's up? Sure. Because I also had Margaret McDonald as Futaba. Nice. Uh, Someone got uh, in there. Oh, uh, where do you Wait. say that? Because I had Margaret. Mc- I had Margaret McDonald for Karako. Like, oh, yeah, okay. like okay. Uh, wow. Okay, uh, re- I wasn't. I'm not like too familiar with Margaret McDonald, so I was just going by. Oh, so I was mostly just going down a list of names, and I was like, okay, she's had a few like soft-spoken characters before, so I threw her in here. See, see, I went the route of Citrus. Like, that performance came into my brain, and I'm like, Futaba has a similar attitude. Yeah. So, why you not? Know, as, okay, um, as far as who I said for Futaba, like, 
Okay, yeah, I was thinking like you could do a tomboy kind of like butch it voice and who's in Sentai dubs. So my mind immediately went to Terry Doty. Wow. Understandable. Hi. I also had one more for Futaba before everybody jumped in here. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I had Julia Simmons for some reason. I can't remember why. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think maybe it was the hair. Like, the sake cool, uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, but without the Yeah, without the bows. And the, but she has yeah. the pixie. But this girl has a pixie cut, though. Should I just go with my Kuroko prediction, too? I, yeah, I get Yeah, we, we got your Futaba. Tell me who your Kuroko was. Caitlin French. Um, she's, okay. she's done some soft-spoken characters before, um, though more slightly deadpan, emotionless soft-spoken characters, so I kind of mm -hmm. wanted to see her, um, do more, do another soft-spoken character, but have more personality and more energy behind it, so I picked Caitlin French. Now, did you make that prediction, like, as soon as you saw like one episode of the show or did you get a little further into the sub before making that prediction um what i originally did is i watched the first four episodes of the japanese all the while okay. i was trying to pick names i think kodoko was one of the last ones i might have tried predicting for but mm -hmm. um futaba i i think after like one episode i knew i was like okay i'm gonna predict margaret mcdonald so well, i just found it interesting that you guessed uh Kuroko for that um because of um she, she gets a little more she gets a little more sass and a little more energy she later does. on so mm -hmm. you're predicting that you want someone who had like a lot more um not just deadpan but more energy to not, the deadpan. not i didn't say that i didn't on. want i didn't want deadpan i wanted soft-spoken but have because caitlin french has voice yeah. soft-spoken characters but those kinds of characters have been a bit more emotionless and deadpan so mm -hmm. i wanted caitlin to play the soft-spoken character but not play emotionless deadpan <laughs> That's what right, I was right. looking for. I, I got that. I wish I could say I had some of the similar predictions so we could keep less images up on the screen, but I had two entirely different guesses for these two characters. Um, for Futaba, um, I'm again, I'm just, these are two characters who I picked because of their Food Wars roles. Um, Futaba, I guessed Kelly Peters because she plays Ryoko in Food Wars, who's like the uh, uh, mom type character who dabbles in fermented beverages. Gotcha, okay. And I, I thought. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that sort of um, maternal voice, because that's what Futaba is. You know, she's the, the kind of person who's got more maturity to her and tries to help keep everyone else in line because God knows they're not going to help themselves. Speaking of not being able to help Futaba themselves. I um, but go on. I, okay, j at least just for Kaoruko. Yeah, at least for Kaoruko, not for everybody to keep else. Her in line. But... Not go for on. everybody else, fair enough. Okay, and as for Kaoruko... Um, I picked another Food Wars, Food Wars character, and I picked this one just because when we first see her, she's, like, uh, half asleep walking into the room, and she's got this, like, very uh, drowsy voice to her. And I thought, you know, Carly Hutch, who plays now in Food Wars, uh, the evil witch person who makes uh, foods that smell really oh, bad but still taste oh, really good yeah. somehow. See, I haven't gotten that. I never oh, yeah. got that far in the dub. So I haven't uh, heard that one. I, so I don't know. I, I have it. Ooh, boy. Uh, I you watched know what the I'm first core because that was what we were covering when we did the episode. I haven't been able to touch it yeah. since. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so with uh, so many predictions, clearly all of us were right. Uh, every single one of us, right? I wish. You couldn't be farther no. from the truth. 
Not a single one of us. You were wrong. You were wrong. And you, watching this episode, yes, your predictions were potentially correct, but probably weren't correct because the two Don't accuse the viewer. They could have been correct, you asshole. Ah, they could have. All right, everyone, reveal your cards. If you guessed Chelsea McCurdy for Futaba, you are correct. And if you guessed Savannah Menzel for Kuroko, you are also correct. Give yourselves a round of applause. Let's cover these two characters because uh, none of us guessed any of these. These so, are, some, um, these are names I've never heard of before. Well, take some notes because they've been—they've done a, quite a few things actually. Um, uh, Chelsea McCurdy. Um, she is—you uh, probably have heard her as Ayase in *Chivalry of a Failed Knight*. If you've seen that, um, she's Subasa in *Gachaman Crowds*, and she's also Taiju in *Doruko*. Um, I haven't—I have seen *Gachaman Crowds*. There I seen is her a too, role that Chelsea's okay. in that I know of. I'm gonna have to find it. Okay. Um, while you're looking for that one, Savannah Menzel. Um, she's done a couple of things, and by that I mean I'm going to list all of the things that she has done, because these are the only roles she's done in addition to Review Starlight. She is Ayumi in Girls und Panzar. She is Sarah in Storia della Arcana Famagilia. And she has an unnamed role in My Little Sister is Among Them. That is the entirety of her role. So we're talking about some relatively new names here. Um, Lilac, I want to hear your thoughts on these two. Um, let's talk about the two lesbian roommates. I stand corrected. I don't know anything about these two. <laughs> even though well, even right. though Chelsea, I, I Chelsea some... has done quite a few things. She's also been in... Um, yep. If, if anyone needs more to draw upon, she was in Fate Khalid. She was in... Oh, she is in Doreku. I was like, you said, Dor yeah, I know I you said, said it. I'm like, it didn't click in my brain. My bad. Taiju, Taiju. Anyways, but let's focus on this show. So Futaba, Kadoko. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Think? I actually don't have any notes on Kadoko. Okay. Um, probably, I want to blame it on the fact that Kadoko hasn't really done a lot as of now. Right, because you only got up to, uh, to episode four yes. in the dub, right? I only got to episode four. Okay. And she's kind of just been there. So, mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's one of those things where Savannah, you, it's hard for me to really judge it. Like, I, I, it is the soft-spoken voice I'm looking for. She does have a little bit of sass to her, which I can appreciate. But mm -hmm. I think because Kadoko hasn't quite have much development right now i th i can't really pass a lot of judgment on savannah uh in terms of her performance chelsea though because chelsea did get a little bit more time she mm -hmm. she gives um she gives futaba a relative tomboy attitude uh but giving a different but also it gives a different dynamic and sound among the cast like she's one of the more, she's one of the more alto sounding voices in the in the cast, and that's something I really enjoy and I really appreciate. Like she's, that's the kind of tone I was looking for. It's similar to a Margaret McDonald from Citrus, you know what I mean? So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Um, I like both the performances. I think, if anything, though, I, I need to hear more from Savannah, because Kodoko hasn't done a lot. She's really the only character I have zero aside from um. 
the the homeroom teacher. She's the only other character I have zero notes for because right now the performance is just forgettable. But I think that's more because Kadoko as a character is forgettable. So I want to. I don't want to blame Savannah because I think she's doing a good job. It's just the yeah. character hasn't done enough for me to really let it stand out yet. Okay. Um, now, Jet, I know that you watched uh, a lot. You're actually caught up with the dub, right? Um, I yeah, I watched episode seven, that episode eight, but yeah. Yeah, that's so we're all caught up. So um, you know, you've seen the big episode where uh, the big backstory episode for Karuko and yep. Utapa, right? Okay. Should I take so, my headphones off so that way I don't hear spoilers? Or I, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything directly, so you don't have to worry. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Appreciate I mean, oh, no, oh, no, I, oh, no, I probably will when we get to Nana, so you may want to unplug your headphones for that, but yeah. Remind me of that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so getting into Futaba and Kariko, um, I'm going to be honest here. Out of the main cast, these two were honestly kind of the weak. These two were honestly kind of the weak link for me, and weirdly for opposite reasons. Um, I thought that Chelsea handled like Futaba very well, in, like the day to day scene, like you know when the girls are just like hang around and stuff. And uh, she and she made mm-hmm. she make her sound you know very tomboyish without going like too over the top with it. Uh, however, like when it came to like the more dramatic stuff during uh, their big during a big moment with Karako in episode six. Uh, she came off a little flat for me, and while it wasn't, you know, like, super distracting or anything, uh, it did take me out of the scene a little bit. And, uh, conversely, mm. I thought that Savannah honestly sounded a little bit stiff during a lot of the more light-hearted moments with Karako. Uh, but when it came to, like, the dramatic stuff in episode 6, I thought she handled that stuff really well. Uh, okay. Yeah. Did, did you think that she was, like, reasonably bratty as, during those uh, yeah, scenes? Yeah, I thought, she, yeah I, thought she, I thought she came up with, like, reasonably bratty during that whole event. And, um, I mean, and, like, and while, it wasn't, while it wasn't quite enough to, like, to, while it wasn't quite enough to, like, remedy how she sounded in, like, some of the other moments, uh, it definitely improved the performance mm-hmm. a little bit for me. Uh, I mean, I guess in fairness, if I were, like, being honest, I kind of like Futaba and Garoko the least out of the girls anyway, so there wasn't, like, a whole ton these two could have really done to improve them for me but eh, but that's an aside um <laughs> yeah that's a fair thing to us that's a fair thing to assess to the actors because like i, I hate it when actors get hatred for characters that were kind of unredeemable yeah, I mean, right I, know, I mean like i mean like it's not like these two were redeemable like i mean they're i mean they're fine they're just like not as interesting as the other girls were to me so <laughs> Fair enough, because that's what you do in a show like this, right? You rank them and you find yeah. out best girl, <laughs> or or best boy, which which in certain upcoming future episodes there is no such thing as a best boy. They are all good boys. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of best boy, uh, Jamal. <laughs> Yay! Jamal is here, my best boy. I'm trying to get back on his good side. <laughs> Hey, as long as you remember me, that's important. Uh, well, to save face with stuff, I'm not going to talk about what happened later. But all I can say is, what is the deal with people named Kawako and Bratz? Because this is like the second time in the week I've had to talk about characters named Kawako. <laughs> Wait, what was the first? Hadabado. Yeah, oh, okay. Except, uh, except I... that one was a bitch, and I don't care what Andrew says. <laughs> Let me guess. Andrew likes that character. 
He does. I don't. Why am I not surprised? Because that character is not redeemable. This one, she's just being a bit bratty for old selfish reasons. To which, to which, yeah. I found Savannah's performance kind of serviceable. I mean, she now you fit the bratty part. She fits some of the sleepy parts too. Like when you see in episode one, she's just sleeping on the back of Futaba's shoulder. <laughs> that was cute. Can we take a taxi? Yeah, to which Futaba, it was what I expected. I'm I'm just not used to Chelsea's voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is almost akin to Margaret McDonald's, if I can say so myself. But I think for what it's worth, when she does come into her own later, it, it really does kind of matter. It does work in the end. I mean, the acting's on point. I'll give her that. Okay, that's good. That, that's what we're trying to do. So maybe yeah. maybe in, the, in a similar vein with me, who's only seen four episodes, whereas the character hasn't really done a lot as of now. But it's kind of... Because I'm assuming you've seen more than I have at this Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I don't ever stop. Can't stop, won't stop. I got it going on. <laughs> I am not going to comment okay. on that at all. Act, smart choice. All right, so that's uh, that leads me down to say what do I thought about Savannah and Chelsea because um, I'm gonna actually go the opposite of Jet's prediction uh, thoughts rather on Savannah being um, less uh, it, like taking you out of the moment because I actually like Savannah's performance really a lot here. I like how she has like a slopperier speech pattern that she plays up for comedy. There, there's moments where she's um, like she's trying to act like she's tired, but she's also acting like. She enjoys teasing Futaba. We, we, we get a whole lot of that. We get a whole lot of the, I enjoy picking on this girl that has basically been my manservant since I was age five. And that carries over into both the serious moments and the comedic moments. So I, I, I like that she had more dynamic than just the character I pegged her for from the first appearance. Um, I, I like more specifically, it sounded like she's got this dialect, like they cut all the R's out of her, out of her script for some reason. And I, I, I don't know if that was trying to emulate, like, a Kansai accent in an English form or not, but it gave her a voice that was very different from all the other voices. So I, I, I like that, and I hope we hear her in more things, because she, she needs more roles. Chelsea, on the other hand, was uh, probably the least dynamic sounding of all of them. I, I actually wrote on my notes that she was the most normal sounding of all the girls, and it's probably because she also didn't sound as young as the other girls. Um, like, these are... I'm looking at the cast list, and I'm pretty sure all of them are, like, at least in their 20s, if not older. So none of them are actually high school students. And I think uh, Chelsea sounded the least like a high school student, which took me out of it a little bit. But then again, she's supposed to be a tomboy character who is supposed to sound less uh, less feminine than the other. So maybe that was just my fault of not trying to see her as that kind of character. And it's just like, I hear an older woman trying to sound like Wait, a high, the high school students. Yeah, they're in um, they're in uh, oh, uh, second this year. Oh, gonna make one the other sections a lot worse than I thought. Uh oh, I if bet I know mistaken, which one I, you're talking about. I bet I know. L- like, look at it this way: Futaba has a has a motorcycle. Well, yeah. I- I'm assuming that you can't get a license for that unless you are 16. Well, they are in their second year of high school, so. That's what I thought. I, was, I mean, you made me stop and think for a second. Is it second year of high school or second year of middle school? I was pretty sure it was high school. I'm pretty sure it was high school, too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't so, know. It was with college, so, but, but I doubt that, so. 
they like, look they look I, too I young to be in college. But then again, this is anime. Stranger things have happened. This is anime. Alright, so we have covered two of the main cast of characters at Seisho Music Academy. But we must move on to the next set of actors. And this since here, we have gone from two characters that are pretty good friends with each other to two people who are vicious enemies with each other. Because if you've ever done theater before, you've done any kind of performing art, you know that people can be competitive as fuck. And that's what we're going to talk about here. We've got two characters, which are Maya Tendo, who is the... Uh, who's considered herself like the class leader of the group and also came from uh, a family of performers. So she has a lot to uh, maintain in her performance and hence why she strives to be the best of the group. And she was also one of the lead characters in last year's performance. And she is in direct competition with Claudine Sejo, who is the blonde haired French token character who was a child prodigy in the theater, which means, of course, as all prodigies state, that she is pretty good right now but she is in direct competition with maya in being the best of the best and that is what we are going to talk about if here. anything these two are the divas with maya being like the prima oh. donna if you had to stereotype it in performance terms mm, very accurate mm -hmm. oh definitely i mean lilac you have stories i'm sure of people being prima donnas in the theater oh, world absolutely right? absolutely i fucking do like you you think that you think you think there's enough drama in high school? Try being in the in drama club while having drama at high school. That's always a fun fucking time. Anyway. Absolutely. Speaking of a fun fucking time, uh, character predictions. Uh, Jet, what uh, do you have any predictions for Maya and That's, Okay, so okay, so for these two, uh, okay, so for these two, I was trying to think. Okay, who? Okay, who at some time do I know can sound like very classy? And like okay, and in like Claudine's case, you know, like classy and haughty, while in Mike's case, you know, like very classy and refined. Uh, so for Maya, I said Stephanie Whittles. Um mostly uh, mostly because I was thinking of a couple of the characters she did in Uchio and Tora, and I know she has like a pretty good authoritative voice, so I figured that would work. And okay. uh, for okay. Claudine, I said Carly Bozier because I know Carly Bozier does hottie very well, so you're absolutely right. Jamal. Uh, for Maya, I, I apparently I didn't realize this. I have what I call the three M's. Uh, Maggie Flecno, Margaret McDonald, and Molly Searcy. Oh. How did you do that? Wait, 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 wait. Did you say this was for Maya or Claudine? Maya. Okay, interesting. That, that, she pick, he picked three M's for Maya. That was completely unintentional. I just realized it. <laughs> I believe that was on yeah, accident. Yeah, but my like you said, she's pretty much a diva. Like who could who could pull that off? But I don't know. I I just went with my heart pretty much. As for Claudine, you definitely want somebody who could easily be a diva, or be a bit out there at times. I had Lucy Christian. I also had Carly. <laughs> this is getting funnier. Me. I also Don't had pick on my Simmons for, yeah, for reasons. I, I don't know anything that Genevieve Simmons is, or at least not coming to my head. Love Trinipi on other delusions. Oh, 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 yes, yes. Thank you for refreshing my but brain. That's not, okay, I got that's it. That's not now. what I was thinking of, though, but. 
Lilac, um, your predictions for the divas. Okay, of the so troop. Jamal, let me get this straight. One of your predictions for Maya was Molly Cersei, right? Yeah. And one of your predictions for Claudine was Lucy Christian, right? Yes. You had the vice versa, didn't you? <laughs> I did have the vice versa. <laughs> I had Lucy as Maya, and then I had Molly as Claudine. Wow. <laughs> so, so, Lucy, I, I know, can play the, 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 um, the prima donna role. I know that she can do it. Like, she can bring that attention to herself. Um, and especially as considering Maya is a veteran performer in and of herself, let's have more of a veteran voice coming in and taking on that role. And as for Molly, I don't 100% remember why I picked <laughs> Molly as Claudine, but I'm like, you know what? I feel like for some reason, I feel like she can do it. So I just kind of put her in there. <laughs> but yes, I reversed it. <laughs> That's really interesting. But I believe... It is. That's why I was like, this is funnier and funnier to me when Jamal was going through his Oh, like, that's why you hilarious. said it was funny. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, he predicted the two people I had, but it was flipped around. You, you know what's ironic? What? Out of my entire list of predictions, I had five people right, but all of them in the wrong uh, place. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay. Oh, let, no. let's, let's talk about some wrong yeah. predictions then. Um, because um, I'm going to throw my predictions out. And I'll just, I'll just preface and say that I got... Something finally right here, but I won't tell you what yet. Um, for Maya, I picked Rachel Landon, who played uh, Mito Meat Meat Ooh. in Food Wars, because she's got she's got that huskier okay. voice, and uh, that's why I thought Maya would have more of an English adaptation because she presented herself as prim and proper, but also uh, slightly older, so she would have that huskier voice to her. Yeah, I can hear. And then it, yeah. for uh, for Claudine. Um, I needed another Food Wars character, and I'm like, okay, Claudine is the stereotypical, the, the token European character, and in Food War, and in Food Wars, uh -oh. that was Alice, um, who was Erin's cousin, who was voiced uh -huh. by Christina Kelly, and I'm like, I, I'm throwing all the Food Wars names out here, so those are my predictions. Let's talk about some casting predictions, shall we? So, predictions. finally. You just said, let's talk about casting predictions. We just did. I finally got one right. I'm so happy. Because I... So, Which for one was these it? two characters, Maya is voiced by Olivia Swayze. And Claudine Sejo is indeed voiced by Christina Kelly. Woo! I'm going to do a th tiny victory lap there. But all your predictions were good. All your were good. Proud of you, Noah. Like Jamal said, Cody, though, like I, I've also got some character, some actors right. They're just in the wrong place. But this is the one that I got right in this section here, so I'm gonna take the victory on that one. Speaking of Christina Kelly, um, you have definitely heard her as Alice in Food Wars. You have heard her as Loki in the Don Manchi franchise, or the Is It Wrong to Pick Up Gr Girls in a Dungeon franchise, and uh, she is also. I'm just gonna say the first name because I always get the full name wrong. So she's Sylphen Ford in. Uh, uh, Himoto Umaru-chan. Thank you. There you go. Um, Olivia Swayze has been in um, uh, not quite as many things, but uh, the two named roles that I could find for her was she is Mamaga in Girls und Panzar. I gotta put the und in there. It's not and. And she is Belphegor in Seven Heavenly Virtues. So she hasn't been in a whole lot. She has been around for a while, though. Like, she was actually somewhere in Welcome to the NHK, but... Just hasn't had as many named roles yet, so this is kind of interesting. 
Now on the topic of interesting, um, Jamal, what what do you think about Olivia and yeah, Christina? I'm with you. Maya is a character that's kind of a weak link to me because she doesn't really stand out as much unless she's faced off against Claudine. And for what it's worth, Olivia Swayze did a for what I've heard, she did a pretty good job. Just Maya doesn't really do much for me. And Claudine, well, first off, I can't get over the fact. Because three out of four of us have seen this show. She looks like Kokoro from Darling in the Franks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can't get over that fact. But I thought Christina, Christina was actually one of the standout performances to me. Because maybe because of the French part of Claudie. Like she can be serious when she needs to be. But she also comes off a little bit foppish at times. Especially in episode four. <laughs> Covering for Karen and Hikari. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think it was something of note. I think Noah brought to our attention that it was actually her that was speaking French. And... It was because oh, yeah. um, the show it. has a lot of Japanese has a lot of Japanese speaking of uh, singing in it, and so uh, they did not dub that in at least in uh, the dub cast version of it. So I wasn't sure if they would also be dubbing in the French portion of it. But uh, yes, yeah. the dub. Yeah, the French I, I mean, I'm pretty sure me not singing was, well, I mean, Zenda usually doesn't dub songs anyway, but I'm pretty sure, you know, like, the usual whites and shenanigans probably didn't help either. <laughs> yeah, and especially since the dub cast program is still fairly new, the possibility of them even dubbing the songs at that breakneck pace, since they've never done that before still, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense why they wouldn't consider dubbing them now, if they were to dub them at all. Right, but, but we we were yeah, I think so we're fine with that, much, right? Christina, I I have a very high opinion of Christina now because I'm really starting to like her voice. I mean, I haven't heard her in as many roles like other than Alice in Food Wars and a in a Cardcore, believe it or not. So, oh, okay. but I think I thought she did pretty good. That's all I have to well, say. Cool. We need to get you to watch uh, Umaru-chan, though, because she is hilarious at Sylphen Ford. You are not getting me anywhere 100 feet near that show. <laughs> Jamal's like, fuck that noise. I ain't touched I, it with a 10-foot pole. I, I, I watched one episode that's like, yeah, this ain't funny. Oh, okay. Fine, that's getting cut out. He just downright refuses at this point. Well, I was going to say, I'm glad you used the word confident to uh, describe her character and her voice, because that was the key word I had written down for Olivia, was uh, she exudes confidence. And that that's the most, like, she's got the most normal-sounding voice, I think. Um, uh, not, actually, no, not the most normal-sounding. I'm sorry, that was, uh, that was Chelsea. But uh, she is pretty normal. And I like that, though, because it means that she's got this that air of confidence about her to someone that you feel like could take on almost any role in a theater production. You know, like, they're not just reserved to comedy or just drama. They can insert themselves into any kind of theater role that comes up to be the lead character for. Okay. And uh, she was also less bitchy than I expected uh, in, the, in the voice portion of it. Because you, you just see her walking in and like, all right, class. Lead performer Maya Tendo reporting for duty, but she but she wasn't. You know, she was just uh, very. She's like a t- the tall idol of the school, and she definitely does stand out a lot more when she's uh, in direct contrast to Claudine, who um, I just want to say I, I I like Claudine. I like Claudine a lot, and I like Christina's performance of this because she's got 
She's got that usual snobbish voice to her yeah. that I don't dislike. I, like, it, you would think you would dislike that, but it's more like the kind of person who has, uh, like, who just thinks they're hot shit, and you kind of have to agree with them. Like, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, you're kind of hot shit. It also probably helped that uh, the first time that we see uh, Claudine uh, enter into the show, she's singing, and Christina's got a pretty good voice. So the overall performance I got from all this is that they're pretty good. The only thing I can say negatively is that I think I don't think Christina's French is quite as uh, convincing as they would have wanted it to be. But um, this is a very cheesy kind of show, and it's we're not French speakers, so I'm not sure if I'm free to judge that or not. Wait. I remember, I think at some point I did hear that Christine sp spoke French, like like she learned French a long time ago. I have to check, in all but keep honesty, talking. In all honesty, I think it's accurate. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I've taken French classes before. I mean, it might just be because I, I, I watched the, it was in episode four where she's like pretending to think like, I can't see the lights. Well, she was also supposed was, so. to be slightly overdramatic and acting like she's passing out so yeah yeah that's that's probably that probably was a fault on my part it was it's just one of those things where it takes you out of the viewing experience you know and you you're reminded that you're listening to a dub but that might just be a fault of them keeping the french in there which honestly i think they i'm glad they kept so that that's that i i'm, I'm overly critical to my divas just because i know that i'm a diva at my heart as well <laughs> you Speaking are not divas, a diva Oh, you, you did not see me back in high school. No, I didn't. I don't think I want to. <laughs> if, you, if you're no, no, so I, energetic I a... and hyper now, God, you were probably like <laughs> sugar-induced oh, me... energy. Like you could not slow down Energizer Bunny. Uh, I, like I mean, I, I, mean, I, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I think it would be annoying, but I, had a, uh, but I had a friend in high school who was exactly like that. <laughs> and he like, and he's like, and he's still very much like that. So, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you don't grow out of it. L yeah. Just let me show, say a lie. Like you should have seen me in the Wizard of Oz because I was the one of the lead performers of the Jitterbug sequence. That was a lot of fun. Oh god damn it! <laughs> you sure you so, weren't yeah, in the so, Lollipop um, Guild? Uh, surprisingly <laughs> enough, no. They did not ask me to be in that. They asked me to be part of the Munchkins, uh, the <laughs> town mayor group entourage well at least you had the hype for that everyone was in the munchkin scene <laughs> it's jenny cause... was it my wife was in the munchkin scene and she never did theater it's because noah's short <laughs> shut up the shortest of us all actually it's the funniest shit just talk you sam just talk, you Samuel Beckett fangirl. I will enjoy my Godot. I will go wait for Godot. Thank you very much. Uh, maybe throw in Caucasian. Maybe Caucasian chalks are thrown in for good measure. Um, anyway, <laughs> two different shows entirely. And if you know those shows, then oh Jesus Christ, good for you. Um, this is why you don't put two theater people in the same room together. No. <laughs> and talk about a theater esque kind of a show. No. Uh. Anyway, so I'm going to start with Christina as Claudine, because I think if I had to describe, like, stereotyping, like, Maya and Claudine, Claudine is definitely the diva. Maya, I would say, is the prima donna, because mm -hmm. Claudine has this kind of attitude that's very reminiscent of, like, a spoiled, snooty diva of sorts. 
and Christina mm-hmm. definitely portrays that very well, I feel. Uh, Sincerity attitude, but she also has such a strong will and determination that we find out, at least pretty early on. I think it was like episode three or four, where we kind of, where we kind of discover that she really, despite her having this kind of sour attitude, she does actually give a shit, and she wants to progress further than where she's been before. So that mm-hmm. kind of determination, I have to give Christina full credit for because that comes off very well. Um, the surprise actually between the two of them, though, I'm gonna have to say is Olivia, because hmm, I actually really enjoyed Olivia a lot. Um, for not having that many credits under her belt, Olivia has such a strong stage presence and a maturity to Maya. To which, considering Maya, again, the prima donna stere- like stereotype we're going for here, she has to have a sage presence, which Olivia, I think, portrays that very well in Maya, to the point where it's confident, but slowly leaning on the border of arrogance at the same time. Because you just know, I can sense it, probably because this is usually how this kind of stuff works, Maya is probably going to fail somewhere along the oh. way. You can tell that something like I can sense it with this with shows like this where and maybe it's just a stereotypical trope where that confidence will lead to full-fledged arrogance and Maya will just see an end a breaking point where she just ends up failing. Mm. So I kind of see that happening. I could be wrong. That might not be the direction the show ends up going with it. But the fact that Olivia carries such a strong presence in Maya for her performance and that maturity with such confidence leaning towards that slight arrogance at the same time, I really have to commend Mm -hmm. Olivia. Like, I think it's one of the stronger performances of the entire show, in my honest opinion, because of that. Wow. She has a really, she has right. a really strong presence, and considering the kind of character Maya is, she ha- and it calls for that. Mm-hmm. So I think Maya, uh, Maya, Olivia is doing very well with that. It, it's kind of telling that even uh, as far you're only in episode Correct. four, the rest of us are like almost like two thirds of the way done with the show, and we still can't quite tell where this show is going. Uh, oh uh, God, no! As, as, I mean, I have, I mean, I am watching a simulcast, so I kind of know where they do go with. Um, that where they need to go at Maya, and uh, yeah, it's definitely not where we need to expect, but yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. Dun dun dun. Yeah, but by the time that, by the time the this episode comes out, I believe that the full dub should be out too. Actually, in theory, so. yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, all right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, when we return to receipts for the not the diva performance, but you can't have a theater troupe without team moms. You need. Uh, Performers who are also really good at leading and instilling leadership and confidence into the rest of the troop. And for that end, we are going to talk about the two team moms of the group. We are going to talk about the class president, Juna Hoshimi, who is the uh, token glasses character who is not only the class president, but 
early on is also shown to be the one who is trying to get to be just as good as the other team members, the other troop leaders, by uh, partaking in the audition. So it's like has that very, I'm just an average performer, and I, but I want to be the best I can be. I want to shine, which is a good way to start the show out. And we also get to talk about Banana! I mean, Nana Auba. It's, it's Nana it's the, not um, it's, Daiba. Daibu. Uh, Daiba. I, Diabetes. Right, I wrote it. <laughs> God damn it. Considering damn it. the amounts of treats she makes, you're not wrong. She is the she is the team mom who bakes and takes care of and is a warm lap to rest your head on when you're not feeling well. And is also in a bit of a conundrum because she is not considering sticking with the acting troupe. She's actually considering moving on to screenwriting instead, which creates a little bit of a conundrum in the group, which we can talk about a little bit. But you can't have those character dynamics unless you have actresses to voice them. Jet, your acting predictions. Okay, so let's see. Um... For Juna, I said Maggie fucked away because I know she, and because I've seen her in a few things that I know she can do, like, the she can do serious girls very well, so I figured she'd be a solid fit here. And uh, for Nana, I said Kira Vincent Davis, uh, because uh, because Kira Vincent Davis mm. has done that, you know, she's, she's done her share of Teen Moms, and, um, like, and, she's, and she's also, you know, had her fair share of very energetic roles, so I figured she'd be a good fit. True, true. I um I guess since we're talking about Team Mom, uh Lilac. Of course we have to go to me. Of course we do. I'm sorry, you you Mom, please, can we go to McDonald's? We're not going to McDonald's, we have food at home. McDonald's, McDonald's. No no no. McDonald's, can I just tell McDonald's. this can I just tell a quick little story? Real quick. I know this is a tangent. So I think it was a week after we got back from A Fest. I'm at work. It's like a yeah. Saturday or Sunday afternoon or something. All of a sudden, Noah's trying to call me. And I'm like, I'm busy. What the hell? Because I was on the other phone. So I just let it go. He leaves a voicemail for me saying, like, I just wanted to tell you that I am currently at McDonald's. 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 <laughs> I had to call him back immediately after that. I'm like, are you serious right now? You're at McDonald's? He's like, absolutely. And I have my chicken nuggets. <laughs> Well, God damn it. You're welcome. Uh, but anyway, predictions. I had two for Juna, actually. Because Juna... Juna, to me... As someone who personally has been kind of in her shoes in throughout high school, mm -hmm. uh, I found Juna to be probably the most relatable character to me for this show. So... I, w I was trying to shoot for voices that weren't, to kind of balance things out, that weren't the peppy, like, higher-pitched kind of voices, and something something yeah. similar to a Futaba, something similar to maybe a Maya, you know what I mean? So, I had yeah. two, and I picked Christina Ten and Carly Mosier as possible okay. for those okay. two. As for Nana, I copped out... <laughs> I copped out because this is a very this is a very peppy, energetic character. Not too energetic because there is a different character for that one, and her name is Karen. Uh, but but what I ended up going with for Nana, I actually went with Lucy Christian. 
Cause I know, cause ah. I know she can play those fun, energetic, and yet slightly maternal kind of characters. So I was like, oh, let's let's put Lucy in here. It's it's very telling that we've had predictions for Lucy Christian so far in this episode for both the stoic, serious characters and the more maternal characters as well. It's kind of telling that she has voiced every type of character in her career. Versatility is a good thing. It is, and not only voice them, but voice them well. Yes. Anyway, that's all I got. So, all right, Jamal, what you got? Uh, for Nana, I kind of went along the same method of picking someone who could be kind of money, but ironically, I had Kelly Peters because of mm. Yoko and Food Wars. Mm-hmm. I had Sarah Nailers for, ironically, in hindsight, she voices Nana Ebina in Umaru-chan. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I forgot about that. I don't know how he managed that, but I also had Emily Neves because I guess, you know, the soft-spoken, quiet type, motherly type, and she's also a screenwriter too, so I figured this could play off as well. Yeah, that would have been a little too perfect, now that mm -hmm. you mention yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. would have. Mm. As for Juno, I went with uh, someone who could play studious very well, and I had Brittany Karbowski because, again, because of Food Wars. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad we're all on the Food Wars. I, I can not... assure you, I can assure you that none of the Food Wars predictions were any part intentional. I just went with what could actually fit. What was the first name that came to mind? I also, right. I also had Hilary Haig because of her character Full Male Panic. Mm, okay. And I had Marty Searcy for... what I don't remember why I picked Marty Searcy, but I guess either Maggie Bray Park or Comic I Kill. Ah, okay. I guess. I, I, st I still need to see the depth for a Maggie, but I can see why. Yeah. How about this? We'll stop the recording. We'll all go watch Amagi, and then we'll come back and we'll pick. We're up so close to finishing this. Okay, fine, fine. We'll watch Amagi yes, later. Yes, we can watch Amagi later. So, uh, so my predictions were um, also uh, food wars related, like entirely food wars. As for uh, Juna, Monica Real has to be on a cast list somewhere because she jumps back and forth between Sentai and uh, Funimation, and uh, she plays June in that show. And so I'm like. June, Juna, Monica Rial. Uh, there we go. Of course. Of course you did. Of course you did. Of course. Of course. I, and uh, I feel like I should make this a game. Can you predict the next one? Uh, no, I won't do that. Oh, okay. I mean, do you want to <laughs> guess which two more actress is going to be I, Nana? I, I can guess. I can guess. You want me to guess? Sure. If Yeah, I'll let you guess. You picked Lucy Christian, didn't you? No, no, but someone who works very closely with her. So um, I'll give you half of a cookie. Uh, Jad Sexton? No, but I've got her later on, so you get the other half of the cookie. Hey, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the uh, Nana prediction I had was um, the character who makes medicinal food in Food Wars, and that was Brittany Karbowski. And she's got a, a slightly older sounding voice, uh, if you've heard her before. And so I thought, like, Nana's also supposed to be um, around the same, they're the same age, but as the other characters, but she sounds a bit more mature. So I thought, Brittany Karbowski, good voice, good girl all around. 
And I believe now we should reveal from the curtains who voices who, because Lilac, you get two cookies for getting one of these ha! right. I like what kind of, wait, hold on. What kind of cookies are these? They are white chocolate cranberry. Ew. Really? Oh, okay, fine. They are peanut butter chocolate chip. Thank you. Oh, everyone likes peanut butter and chocolate I just like peanut butter in general, so. Got... All right, fine. It's peanut butter with peanut butter. Yes! Double the peanut butter. Right, I well... win, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> My reward is double the peanut butter cookies. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, she's munching on that. <laughs> Nana Daiba is voiced by Lucy Christian. Uh -huh. And... And Juna Hoshimi is voiced by, and I don't think anyone got this one, Shanna Emmerich. Shannon, Shannon, not Shanna. No, it, 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 it sounded yeah, like it Shanna. Sounded like Shanna, sounded like Shanna. <laughs> Shannon. Two ends and an end on the end. Sorry, guys. Techni you know? Technical difficulties because Noah's mic has been cutting in and out a little bit. <laughs> oh, anyways. <laughs> Shannon Emmerich has been known to voice... Characters, uh, actually a mix of both male and female characters. Uh, ones you may have heard her is, is she is Jenny in Bodacious Space Pirates. She is Caesar in Girls und Panzer. And from on the boy side, she is Ryu in Gachiban Crowds. And one of Lilac and Mai's favorite show, she was the spirit Orion in Amnesia. I was about to say, you were about to bring that up, weren't you? I have you to. Have, you I you have to. You suffered the cage <laughs> for that uh, shit. Uh, 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 I was going to say something about her, about the characters she plays in Godzilla's crowd, but that would go into a really weird tangent, so I won't. <laughs> Let's yeah, not go into uh, weird tangents right. right now. You can go into a tangent later. How's yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Ryu is a bit of a contention for that part, but who's not contentious is Lucy Christian, who has done everything under the sun. Everything. Um... She, pl she plays a very nice character in this show, so I'm gonna list characters who are not at all like <laughs> Nana. She has voiced she has voiced Kaname in Full Metal Panic. She has voiced Paimon in Gachaman Crowds. She voices Hestia in uh, You Should Not Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, <laughs> and she voices one of my personal favorites. She voices Misukari in Azumanga uh, Daioh. Can I go first for this section because I feel like words are gonna be said, and I kind of want to, like, and I kind of want to like be as fair as possible here. So, <laughs> I have I have no objections to that. Everyone good with Jet go first? Okay. Uh, okay. All um, right. Go so for it. I'll start off with Janet Emmerich. Um, I'm fairly familiar with her work at this point, and I've generally enjoyed it. Um, however, uh, something that's like really notable about her is that she has a very and like I apologize if this like sounds uh, insulting in any way, shape, or form. Uh, she has like a very you know kind of like nasally sort of high-pitched voice and it really lends it, and it really lends itself well mm -hmm. to you know like very to playing young boys and you know like very androgynous characters that sort of thing and um that's sort of i think the word androgynous yeah. is a good word and uh, that's literally it. what i'm used to hearing with her work um so as far as it goes with her playing a teenage girl in this case um it came off as like a little bit uh a little distracting um, like, I feel like someone who is totally unfamiliar with her would get the impression she's, you know, trying to intentionally make Judah sound like, you know, like a overly dirty stereotype, since Judah is obviously supposed to be the very serious and straight-laced one of the girls. 
And I'm like, and she's not. That's just how her voice sounds. But I, but that fear did set in, and um, and, then, and it's a bit of a shame because performance-wise, I thought she did a pretty solid job. Uh, she gets Yuna's attitude across pretty well, and I really dug her in episode two, where we get to see her, you know, properly perform against Karen, and she laid out all of Yuna's feelings of inferiority pretty well. And uh, they were definitely very relatable, and I really felt that in, and I really found that in Tana's performance. Um, so basically, I think it was a very fine performance. Uh, casting wise, I don't know if it was the best call, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, Lucy Crayson is not on the other hand. I liked a lot, and um, heads up, while you might want to take off your headphones now, because I probably will be doing a couple Done. of more You're words. good, go ahead. Um, okay, uh, so Lucy Crayson is a fantastic actress and generally nails the number of characters she's doing very quickly. And uh, while she didn't have too much to do in the beginning, uh, she did a great job of selling Nana as a very nice girl. And, uh, and while also managing to portray the sense that, you know, some of that kindness was... Uh, maybe a little bit of a facade that she was trying to run away from something. And um, since something becomes really mm-hmm. apparent in episode 7 where we learn what Nana's deal is. And uh, Lucy's delivery of that monologue was really fantastic. Uh, you can really tell how much she was struggling to maintain that happy facade while also dealing with, you know, the emptiness of having to constantly adjust to change. Well, you know, trying to constantly resist change and quite literally because, you know, Groundhog Day time loop. <laughs> yeah yeah with, without the sleeping with yeah. your boss subplot as I, as I, yeah so yeah so lucy handled that whole bit really well and it, it made me fall in love with that episode all over again because uh full disclosure that is honestly my favorite episode so far and um I, plus i gotta say the way she handled the final line of that episode where like not literally turns to the camera to deliver that whole bit where she says she wants to include Hikari in her repeat performance. Like, that gave me chills. So, well done, Lucy Christian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, so, yeah, Lucy Christian was definitely one of these standouts to me. And, um, okay, and again, while I'm not totally sure that Chad was the, like, best casting choice here, I thought she did a pretty good job. So, yeah, I like these two. And, um, you can tell I actually can put her yep. headphones back on. <laughs> Yeah. All right, we can let Lila come back. I now. heard Noah at one point say something about sleeping with bosses. What? <laughs> oh, just gra- Groundhog's Day uh, is uh, a movie that all of you should watch. Is all, all I'm gonna right, say. All right. All right. All right. Um, Jamal, I want uh, you to tell me um, Shannon and Lucy's predictions. Go. Predictions. Or not predictions. But Lu- Shannon, r- rewind. <laughs> Shannon and Lucy's performances. Go. Well, Lucy Christian, I should have seen it coming because Nana is pretty much Yuki Yoshino from Food Wars if she was played straight. <laughs> like, right down to the hair and everything. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking of the fact, if you follow Lucy Christian on Twitter, uh, yeah. half of her feed is, this is the, the cons I'm going to be at. The second half is just her raising her daughters. So she is literally a mom-chan in real life. Yeah, and I know that Lucy, she's a prominent voice in anime, just like Monica, it's just you hear more in Sentai, but that's not the point right now. The point is, I, Lucy did a pretty splendid job, even though Nana is a character, well, for what Lilac seen, she did pretty good, for what Jet seen, it's pretty intense, but that's for later on. I I did like how she had her character very well. She Lucy has a tendency to be 
her voice tends to be a little flighty with these kind of characters without without with while retaining uh smart let's put it that way you know mm-hmm. like if you ever heard of a lot of her characters like they would sound like airheads but they're pretty much not and Lucy matches to maintain that balance very well. Shannick Emmerich. Sh- Shannick, what the fuck? Shannon oh, oh, Emmerich, on the other hand, I did not like that performance at all. Like, it was a Stephanie Widows kind of situation. You remember what happened last time? Yep, we, we had discussions about not problems with the performance so much as problems with just the natural voice, right? Yes, because I thought. Yeah. Where did I begin with this? Uh, well, pretty much the voice was so out there. I did not buy that this was a high school student, and I thought, well, maybe this is because it's not a name I'm familiar with. So, I I went and looked up her voice. I remember she was the kid emperor in the uh, comic got killed. I wasn't too fond of that either. I also went back to the amnesia episode y'all did, and well, I stand corrected. And then I, I thought to myself, hey, wait a minute, just flip-flop this for a second. Focus on the acting, and the voice will follow. Okay. The acting wasn't up to par either. Because, for one thing, when you tried to... I will give her credit, she was at least studious. That was what I was hoping some, the character would go for, because, you know, she's a bookworm. She had, she pretty much keeps to herself. She's... In, she enforces the rules, and then you get to a backstory. Is like, well, you understand why she's doing what she's doing now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel any of that with Shannon. As a matter of fact, episode two, because episode two was one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a review of what was it, passion or desire? Pleasure? Desire. That's what. Passion was. was the first review, I think. You can hear you can mm-hmm. hear a direct comparison between her voice and the Seiyu's voice. Seiyu's voice had a bit, a lot more flow to it, whereas Shadow's, it kind of felt a little stilted to me. I, I couldn't buy it. I really couldn't. Okay. It, it just, it kind of takes me out every time I hear on screen. I mean, it's slowly starting to mellow out, but I don't think it's mellowing out fast enough. Man. I, I'm I, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry if people feel nope. offended, but hey, you know what I mean? This is a show where you're trying to become an actor. I know... I know, I know. Ouch! No, this, I, that came out wrong. But but you get my point I, at least, right? I do, and I'm glad that you're being honest about it because we, we you know we're not gonna kiss ass to performances if we're legitimately not constructive criticism, boys and girls. Hey, I'm Caribbean. I don't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Even though you're a line cook. Uh. <laughs> There's a, a certain level of spice going on here, but uh, more than anything else, I think uh, he loves putting salt. <laughs> I mean, have you had salt? It's pretty tasty. Oh god! I, I no, I haven't actually. I'll have to come by and try. Is it salt bread? You think? Yeah. So it's like what? Like it's like uh, Little Caesars crazy bread or what? No, I, I'll explain it to you one of these days. Basically, okay. we gotta All take right. a trip down the Florida to visit Jamal. Is what he's saying. <laughs> Well, if you want to, but anyway, I'm I, 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 anyway, so. man, Dub Talk Disney World 2025. At the very least, you know, Shadow has the studious part going for the characters. Just it's, 
Kaja taking me out a lot, dude. That's all you have to say. Like. All right, um, Lilac, uh, we've got two performance, two two reactions okay. to Shannon's performance on this one. Um, what what camp are you gonna fall Before into? Before I talk about that camp, I want to talk about Lucy real quick. Um, sure. Because Lucy. Lu- Lucy cut is basically what exactly what I pictured Nana to sound like. The um, the energy is there. The maternal instincts is there. Um, unfortunately, from what I've seen, Nana hasn't done enough quite yet. But with the, you are one episode away. I know, but with the side story, the the side plot now of her wanting to s- stray away from performing, I'm gonna guess that's gonna gonna be a big development for her so i'm very intrigued to know Mm -hmm. how lucy's gonna do with that um but as of right now nana hasn't done a ton in terms of shannon as juna because i said because i already said this juna is probably the most relatable character to me because i feel like i am juna at times uh especially when i was in high school and my thing is I I agree that it's a little rough. A little bit. But I disagree with it being rough through majority of it. It was rough with like the first episode to me. That was really it. Cuz I think it was more of an adjusting period because I com- cuz the last time I heard Shannon Emmerich in anything was Amnesia. So, my brain was like, wait, this woman was a boy last time. Wait, she's a she's a studious person. Hold on. My brain was trying to adjust. But mm-hmm. in my in my mind, I think Sh- how Shannon portrays Juna is I would I wouldn't necessarily say it's an inferiority inferiority complex either. I feel like cuz Juna to me is the underdog. She's the kind of girl you wouldn't expect to take on a lead role. That's the kind of character I think that I believe that Juna is, and again, that I relate to personally. So I think that Shannon really, I think Jan, Shannon actually does real, rather well portraying this kind of quality in Juna. Um, did I have anything else in here? Like, I do kind of relate to her. Um, the first episode was a bit rough to sit through. Again, because of that mm. adjustment period and trying to get a handle on the direction that the voices, the performance of the voices is going to go. But I think episode two was where I really started seeing it come into its own a bit more. So, I, I agree that it's rough. I disagree that it's... It, the act. I disagree that the acting is off. I think the I think the okay. acting is perfectly fine, especially for an underdog kind of character like Juna, in this sense. And I like the fact that Juna doesn't also have the stereotypical bookish kind of girl voice that you normally associate these kinds of stereotypes with. Like it's what it's one of those things where similar to, God, similar to maybe similar to Futaba and maybe similar to. Maya, to an extent. I appreciate that there's a different dynamic in this group. I fully appreciate that, and I do see the direction that Juna is going in with Shannon's performance. Yes, again, yes, it was a little rough to start, but considering 
let's face it, I don't sound exactly like Shannon, but that's the same kind of register that I'm kind of fall into, if you think about it. You mean just on, like, a, if we have to separate the singers into pitches, you both would be at the, not soprano, but more of the alto Yeah. Voice? Though I can okay. sing soprano. It's been a few years since I can go, like, for soprano, but, um, but yeah, like, I can, I think Juna is the underdog, kind of like the, the normal girl who just wants to have her chance to shine. And I think that Shannon portrays, oh, yeah. I, I think Shannon portrays that actually rather well. And it's very, very, it's something that I definitely can attach myself to as, as Juna being a relatable character in all honesty. All right. And now we've got, we kind of show the split now. Am I going to join team Jet and Jamal or am I going to join team Lilac? Mm, gotta go with the theater nerd on this one. I gotta go with Lilac in terms of uh, reactions to mm -hmm. Shannon. Now, I did write down, I did write after the first episode, I did write, not sure I dig the uh, stilted acting on Shannon's uh, performance on this because she does sound like her boy voices. I'm much more familiar with her in roles that she's done where she was playing young boys, and that's just what her natural voice sounds closer mm. to. However, in getting through the second episode, I came to appreciate having a different female voice than all the other actors, which I really appreciate in an ensemble cast like this. Um, if all of the actresses sounded not just similar, but also were directed to speak in a similar way, uh, they would not stand out as much. And that this difference makes um, Juna stand out a lot more. And as for the actual acting portion of it, I did like it. I, I like that... I like that... Uh, also, it, I, I don't want to say underdog because Lilac already used that word, but it, it is an underdog voice to it. It's something that um, can it, it. She sounds like a theater mm -hmm. person, and I don't just mean that this is a show that's in theater. Like of all the actresses that we're gonna hear and we're gonna talk about, Shannon to me sounds like the kind of voice that if I close my eyes, I would see on a stage performance, yeah. like a local Houston theater production. Absolutely, which has some. It just has has some different picadillos in than uh, what we consider normal anime voice acting. Mm -hmm. But that's not a bad thing. Um, I think I said something similar about Maureen Miller, actually, and uh, when we've talked about her and stuff like Little Witch Academia or Anohana, where it's just a kind of a different style of acting, but that doesn't make it a bad thing. And in this sense here, I honestly, I'm glad that they wrote her in like this, and I'm glad that they cast Shannon for this particular part here. It's not for everyone. It's a gruffer sounding voice, and it takes the longest to get used to. Um, unlike some of the other roles that we talked about where they're just kind of average, you will instantly recognize Shannon's voice in anything you hear her in. I think, and you're either going to be on board with that, or it's just not going to do yeah, it Yeah, I, I think out of anyone in the cast, I think Juna is the most decisive, considering how distinct Shannon's voice actually is. So people are either mm -hmm. going to be in the camp where they absolutely love it, or they absolutely hate it. And it probably helps that, um, like you said, Lilac, it's a character that you already were relating to. Yep. So the voice itself just reminded you, oh, yeah, I remember being like that in high school. Oh, yeah. I remember being the anime class president who had to prove myself against the prima donna stereotypical theater people. See, in high school, we didn't have an anime club, which was a shame. <laughs> you know, what? I, I didn't either. I, actually, I'm probably a good thing because I've heard bad Bad stories from everyone who had an, a high school anime club. I've heard no good stories. Probably, probably for the But best. that's a topic for another. Probably for another yeah. day. 
Uh, I should talk about Lucy Christian, though. Um, but I'll keep this short and concise, because if you don't like, know, and love Lucy Christian at this point, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm just going to link you that gif of Ochako slapping Deku as he's falling out of the sky, and just imagine that's my reaction to you. Because Lucy is amazing, and she is very banana-nice in this God world. God damn it, someone had to use that pun. God damn it. Someone had to. <laughs> One pun in there. She's got, yeah, uh, Lucy's got um, two different modes. Well, she's got a ton of modes, but the ones I know her for the most are her Moe voices. Uh, like your Ochaku or your, um, what's her name from Clan Ed? Um, God, I Nagisa from Clan Ed. Or she's got her, uh, what I'll call her big girl voice. Um, she's done in stuff like uh, Blood Blockade Battlefront. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. Um, Black Blood Brothers. That's a different show entirely. So this sounded like a voice that was right in between the two. It's halfway between her Moe voice and halfway between her big girl voice. Which is interesting to hear. I can hear bits of both of those kind of voices in here. So the more that Lucy's in, the world soars. I got nothing but good things to say about that. Let us move on. Sparkle. We're in the home stretch. And we are in the home stretch. And speaking of um, home stretches, we have brought a transfer student in. That, that was a weaker transition. I'm sorry. But um, we, we were talking about the two characters who are... They're technically roommates, but I'm going to refer to them more as Karen's posse. Um, we'll talk about Karen later, but these two are like the two girls who are vying for Karen's attention, kind of. The first one is uh, the one who is kind of her mom at the beginning of the show, and that is Maharu, who is the uh, her roommate in the show, and is the one who has to try to get her up, and is also kind of the silliest one of the entire group. Like, she's always doing uh, silly accents and is always like the most clownish of the entire group. Contrasted heavily with the mysterious transfer student, we're also going to talk about Hikari Kagura, who is the one who Karen knew when they were very young, went away to Europe, because all the best performers come from Europe, and came back to Japan to throw a monkey wrench into the show. And these are the two who we're going to talk about together, because they're tied in terms of being Karen's best friends, in a sense, that get the plot going. And that, Jamal... Do you have predictions for Mahuru and Ikari? Uh, yeah, for Mahu, I had uh, Patricia Duran because Mahuru a little bit kind of reminds me of a character from Flip Flappers. I had uh, Emily Neves, I guess because of Umaru-chan if I think about it. But mm. I also had Christina Kelly because I figured for something different. A lot of these predictions, I don't remember too much why, but I think... It might have been of a similar attitude in Food Wars at certain points. Uh, for Hikari, I had Jade Saxton. I had Rachel Landon. Mm -hmm. But here's the kicker. I had Jeannie Tirado. Really? Huh. Because early on when I started watching the sub and making predictions, I kept making comparisons to Love Lives. <laughs> and in, in particular, Sunshine, which I know Jet has yeah, seen. Yeah. I mean, and, we were going to talk about that show eventually, so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, Hikari, in a certain way, kind of reminds me of Rico, who was also a transfer student and 
kind of gift, kind of gifting the odds as well. So I figured, I figured, and plus with the way things have been going to Setai lately, the, that whole dynamic just shifts everywhere. So I figured, hey, why not? It's only a matter of time. You mean the dynamic of who, uh, which actors stay in ta- Dallas and who goes to Houston? Yeah, pretty much. Like, oh, okay. Because yeah, there, there are there, there have been surprises. I'll agree where actors who I thought were strictly Dallas have shown up in Houston dubs, and I've seen Houston people show up in Dallas dubs. So yeah, it's not. I mean, the the, the cities are practically right next to each other, so I guess it wasn't too surprising. Yeah, I mean, they're only four what four hours apart. Only four hours. You know that that's like what um, a marathon of a show, or a trip from Miami to Orlando. But... Yeah, yeah, so, you know, yeah, not that big a deal. Uh, Jet, predictions for um, Mahiru and Hikari. Okay, uh, so for Mahiru, this is actually where I put Lucy Kirchin. Uh Mostly uh, mostly because, well, I mean, I figured Lucy Kirchin was going to be in here somewhere, and, um, I mean, and I know Lucy Kirchin can do kind of goofy, so I figured, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Hikari, I said Alice and Sumerall, uh, mostly because um, she played a uh, she played a pseudo character in Ucho and Tor, and I like and I really enjoyed her in that show. Well, Hikari isn't like you know quite a like pseudo She sort of fits that archetype a little bit, and like and so, and I'm like and uh, and Alice and Sumerall is really pretty reliable for me, so I figured she'd do a good job. All right, uh, I guess Lilac. Um... Have you got the winning predictions? Uh, for Mahiru, I actually had Juliet Simmons. Huh. Um, considering some of it's some of the because Mahiru can be a little bit more soft spoken and more quiet and shy among the group. However, she does have her moments. She does. For example, blocking um Kahu Karuko from going to tell the teachers yeah. <laughs> that Karen and Hikari kind of up and disappeared. Um, and it kind of reminded me of um, Nozaki-kun a little bit. Uh, her role as Chio there. As for Hikari, this is actually the one role I didn't have a prediction for. Because I, in my head, I couldn't figure out for the life of me who would fit in this role. Wow. Among the uh, among the Houston pool, yeah. So Hikari was the hardest one, so I kind of just gave up actually. <laughs> That's fair. I I mean, we're not gonna hold your feet to the fire on that one. Um, we we will, however, be lowering the amount of ice cream scoops you get at the end of the night, though. As long as you still give me those double peanut butter cookies, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but I won't put them. I, I won't give them to you fresh from the oven. They're still good. I don't care. They're they're still good. So I don't care. They are double peanut butter cookies. I don't give a shit. Speaking of being very good, uh, my predictions for these characters were uh, two seasoned veterans of the Houston dubbing community. For Hikari, who I wrote on my paper to remember by the little star clips that she has in her hair, I went against traditional typecast, and I, this is where I put Lucy Christian. Because okay. because even though I she's probably best known for her... Uh, crazy voices not crazy but moe voices uh, she also has a panache for doing stoic very well and especially in one show that um is uh it's called flip flappers she also did a bit of a stoic character in that show too so i thought let's keep that role going and put her as hikari and as for mahiru this is where i put stephanie whittles 
who was Erica in um, Food Wars, but I probably put her here more because I liked her role as... God, I'm sorry, I didn't write it down, but um, the teacher the teacher in School Live that uh, Lilac was alluding Oh, Megu Megu thank you, thank you. I uh, thought that her performance in that one kind of matched with the uh, slightly nervous, neurotic teacher who can also be a bit goofy uh, like her students that Maharu portrays throughout the show, and that's where I thought Stephanie Wills would shine best in this particular production. And that being said, though, I am afraid that I am going to have to revoke every single one of your cookies for this one because everyone got it wrong! Yay! Don't you dare take my cookies away, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you, you, you got it, man. I was, if you think about it, I was pretty close, though. I'll let you have the crumbs, Jamal. <laughs> Fuck you. But what is, not, what is not the crumbs are these prime characters, actors, so, for Mahru, we have Miss Maggie Fleckno. And for Hikari, we have Patricia Duran. So, Jamal, you were right. You had one of the characters right. You just had it in the wrong role. Like I said, man. Yes, that's okay. This is why I'm, I'm going to give you back your cookies. Here you go. There's all the cookies. Have them all in the back. No, 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 no. Actually, no, forget that. Here are the banana muffins. You all get banana muffins. Fuck you, I want my peanut butter cookies. Anyway. Do you have banana do you have banana bread though? I've got banana pudding. Alright, yeah. You're i I'll take it. I don't like it. It I don't like food that jiggles. Anyway. So said Hikari, who is okay, so Patricia Duran is a voice of a couple of different things from all over the history that I looked up. She is Aiko in Trinity Blood. She was Freya in You Definitely Absolutely Should Not Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon. She is Bose in Gate. And she is Julia in Duraku. Direct Duraku. I'm sorry. Duraku. Duraku. Yeah. I love how the Dunmachi title is just slowly evolving into just don't do it, guys. Just don't pick up girls in a dungeon. Don't do it. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. It's slowly evolving. Yeah. It, it's going to be a, a much longer light novel title by the end of this, trust me. And as for Maggie Fleckno, uh, I think a couple of you have maybe uh, seen a couple things she's been in. She's been in Belinda in Bodacious Space Pirates. She is. Oh boy, can I... Okay. Iris Vale von Eisburn in Fate Kaleid Linear Prismal... That one fate magical girl show that no one can pronounce. But uh, probably best known as um, Rika in Love, Chinobio, and Other Delusions. Or if you are shoujo trash like me, you know her as the heroine from Amnesia and Yui from Diabolic Lovers. God. Because fuck you, it has to come up. I thought mentioning amnesia once in this episode was enough, but no, you gotta too go bad. for two. Fine, fine. If you want to talk about it, go, Lilac. Talk about Maggie and Patricia's performance. Oh boy. Um. So where am I gonna start? Who do I want to start with? Uh where do I have my notes? I'm actually gonna start with Maggie, cause um. See, here's the problem when it comes to me and Maggie Fleckenway's roles. I only know her as the deadpan, stupid, Otome game protagonist heroines. 
as stiff as a fucking board. That is not a good place to go. No, it's not. (laughs) So, obviously, you can tell my surprise and my happiness when I say the words, I like Maggie as Mahiru. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness. Thank God. Um, Because Maggie has such a fun charm and an endearing personality to Mahiru. Um, And it's definitely one of the better performances I've ever seen from her. Again, going from stiff as a board, Otome heroin junk, though. <laughs> so, unfortunately, not the great, the, a bit of the lowest bar, unfortunately. Um, so, obviously, by 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 default, anything that's not Otome game trash is infinitely better. Uh, what about this but, show? Uh, again, I love it. Cool. Uh, again, such a fun charm and endearing personality. She has the um, kind of shy, quiet personality Mahir has, but she does. Ha- again, she has those moments where she's very, very, where she's very, very protective. Uh, again, that scene where she's squaring off against um, Karuko in the hallway with a broom, just like, I am the guard of this hallway. <laughs> you are not going to go to the teacher and tell them that Karen and Hikari are not here. You are going to leave now and then just chase them down. Um, I, I like it. I do enjoy that a lot. Um, as for Patricia, because this is actually the, only the second time I've heard Patricia before. The first being Doreku from last season as Julia. And, um, it's a very interesting contrast because if you're one of the very few people who have watched Doreku, uh, Julia is a woman and a full-fledged adult. And personally, I think Julia's performance, uh, performance as Julia, was one of my favorite standout performances in there, alongside probably Dave Matranga because David Matranga is a fucking dumbass in that show. <laughs> His character's not very bright. Not saying Dave Matranga isn't intel is not a is is an idiot. His, his character say, is very stupid. We, we got his character is and a brass dumbass. knuckles here ready for you. No, his Dengar's character in Doreku is a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> Just right. throwing it out there. Um, in terms of Hikari, it's definitely very different because I'm going from hearing. <sighs> I'm going from hearing. An adult woman to a teenager. Um, so very, very stark contrast, obviously, right off the bat. But Patricia seems to have this kind of almost somber tone to Hikari, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, but you can tell that she has concern to her. It's not somber to the point where it's like full-on melancholy, depression, that kind of thing. No. It's more because I, ha- I have a, I have a, I'm guessing and I have a feeling <laughs> that there's um obviously more to Hikari's story. Uh, that kind of comes in a bit more uh, than four episodes allow me to have. She's but... secretly the Rose Bride. <laughs> God damn. But all things considered, I I like I like how Patricia portrays that slight somber tone and some of those tsundere qualities that were being described because she can have those tsundere qualities. 
Very much so. Episode 4 is very, very much evident of that, where she's running away and trying to see all the jellyfish at every single aquarium in a single day. Uh, but... <laughs> Sorry. Um, but... I, I really do enjoy Patricia's performance of Hikari so far. It's... I, I'm just curious to know more about Hikari as a character at this stage, but... That is I always think... the appeal of the, the foreign exchange student, isn't it? It's like the mysterious yeah. student I want to know more about. Yeah, it really is. And I think Patricia plays the quiet, the silent, quiet... She is professional um, character rather well, and I just really am excited to see a different kind of role for Patricia, at least that I've seen. So. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, I guess, Jamal, I want to know uh, what your thoughts were. Uh, Steph, you may need to take off your headphones for this section. Again? Alright, just let me know when I'm good. Alright, let me know when you got your headphones off. Well, she can't hear you, so I'm assuming that was good. Okay. <laughs> okay, so good. pretty Sorry. much... Sorry. Yeah, so pretty much Mahuru, Maggie Flecno, I, I thought her acting was pretty much on point, especially when she starts being flustered and being spastic with her character. I mean, Toad felt a little off in the earlier episodes, but what she's surprised to consider the only roles I've noted for uh, Shinka from Love Tribune and Other Delusions, and that one, she was kind of soft-spoken to the point you couldn't even tell it was her at first. And Mero, which... Sally, I did not finish. Monster Musume, thank you, High Dive Video Player, for crashing. But uh, when you get into her backstory, you understand Mahiru as a character. Maggie's mm -hmm. performance really up opens up a whole new perspective for me. <laughs> Especially when you find out why she's doing these auditions. You know, what leads off into the character song, like the flow, match naturally smooth out, to which it was also the same way with Hikari, because Hikari comes off. A bit stern and also a bit of a Sudari times too. And then, uh, well, I'm not gonna say it, but in the latest episode, you you find out more about her relationship with Karen. But other than that, I I thought Patricia uh, played off the character very well, even if I I haven't always heard her in many roles. Mm -hmm. Like like I said. Last thing I heard it was flip flappers. I thought she did pretty well in that too, but that's for another time. As it stands right now, th these are these are I, I'm gonna go above some more. These are very good performances. They're not too much my standouts until later on in the show. Oh, okay. Okay, then. That, that's interesting. Um, I guess Jet. Um, what what do you got? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna try to, like, Miles Bowl is my YouTube, so Seth should probably keep her headphones off. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so bad. We, we could say anything we want about Lilac right now, and she wouldn't be able to respond. Uh, you know, I can slightly still hear you even through my headphones, right? I was saying how Lilac <laughs> is amazing and wonderful, and we should adopt her as our president. <laughs> that is a lie. A adopt, not elect. Why did I say adopt and not elect as president? I don't know. Uh, hey, wait, wait, the jet, go for it. While I go okay. take a poll. Okay, um. So, so I'm with Patricia, in case you can't touch a pattern here, I am 
Uh, mostly familiar with her for a couple of her roles in Ucho and Torah, and while she wasn't among my favorites in that dub, um, I was definitely very interested to hear her and other stuff. Um, I did kind of think her voice is like maybe a little bit deep for a teenager, but so far her performance has been pretty on point. Uh, Hikari is a, obviously meant to be a very reserved and mysterious kind of figure, and uh, Patricia manages to play up that sense of intrigue very well, and uh, makes you want to, you know, kind of naturally learn more about Hikari, so that's great. And um, she's also handled uh, Hikari in performance mode very well. And uh, while it's not like my, well, it's not my standout performance here, I definitely don't have any like real problems with it. Um, so as far as Mahiru goes, um, well, it wouldn't be an Ikuhara-esque thing without, you know, some Yuri starts in there somewhere, and, uh, this <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, He wasn't uh, even part of the show! <laughs> and, uh, this girl definitely has a, this girl definitely has a quartz that needs filling. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, just... <laughs> uh, so it's made, so it's made apparent right away that he, since he is, uh, very into Karin, and, uh, not so much into the idea of Hikari stealing her away. And um, as for how that pertained to uh, Maggie Fuckway's performance, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I haven't heard Maggie Fuckway in a ton of stuff. Uh, my first impression of her was in Penguin Drum, and I and uh, that was a very uh, mixed reaction. <laughs> as we discussed, that wasn't a great dub for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, she, I mean, she was one of the few I well, I wouldn't say I liked, but I thought like, okay, this has potential if it was like directed better. It, it's all. Yeah. <laughs> Rule of thumb, Jet. If one actor is bad, the actor is probably bad. If every actor is bad, the director is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, um, so I thought they got off Myers' soft-spoken nature pretty well, and I could definitely feel the, you know, cause I, uh, you know, like all the hidden desire underneath the surface to have Karen all to herself. And uh, unsurprisingly, <laughs> it was uh, Myers' episode that really sold me on the character herself as a um, as, as Oliver's jealousy is really laid bare in her performance, uh, granted in a pretty silly fashion, like the silliest in the entire show. And uh, and I definitely appreciate how well she handled her transition from being very thirsty for Karin to, you know, to, I mean, to eventually recognizing it's, in actuality, it's something about Crunch to kind of hide from her own insecurities as an actor because she doesn't really have a lot of confidence in herself, so she kind of, uh, so she kind of clings to Karen, and uh, I thought that was very interesting. And, um, um, my guess, the, if I had to say any negatives, I thought, like, maybe her line reads were, like, a little bit shaky in the beginning, but, uh, all in all, I thought this was pretty solid, and I like both of these. Okay, okay, you can let Lana kind of deal now. I was gonna say, yeah, let's let her back in. <laughs> I'm safe. Yeah, you're good. Yes. Okay, good. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, this is interesting because even though we put a disclaimer at the top of this episode, we're trying not to spoil it for one of our own members because we really want that reaction to be authentic when you see it for the first time. Yay! Even though I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Oh, uh, you will soon. <laughs> yes, Yay. you will. You will go and you will finish the show and you will thank us for not spoiling you. I, my, 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 future self or my future self thanks you. Excellent. So, um... It's funny you mentioned future self because the, both these characters of um, Hikari and Mahiru kind of reminded me of a different time traveling show. They reminded me a lot of the characters of Hamaru and Sayaka from Madoka Magica. 
in that they're both thirsty for the main character and that they've got completely opposite personalities to one another. I thought you were about to go with Steins Gate only because I've been catching up on it today. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet. Whoops. But let's focus on this show because um, Maharu is the one that I was uh, probably the most surprised by because um, Maggie's got uh, the more straight-nosed uh, role to begin with and you kind of peg that she's going to be the more flustered, uh, straight-laced student, but then she breaks out of that and gets a chance to flutter between uh, seriousness and girlish throughout the show that makes her voice just a lot more fun to listen to. Like, I like roles where the character gets a chance to kind of, like, go through the spectrum uh, while still maintaining the same personality. And Meiki definitely got to do that throughout all of this. And it's what's great about it is that it's all over the place, but it's never not genuine. It's kind of like the genie from Aladdin, where it's the same character, but it's just having fun all over the place. I wouldn't be surprised if some of her lines were ad-libbed, although with the schedule, I'm assuming that probably wasn't the case. Now, on the case of Patricia, um, we actually get to hear her. Uh, she has, like, the second line of the whole show right after Karen, um, and they're, like, having this brief monologue about um, their ambitions as uh, theater performers, and she's got this very silkier, richer, soft-spoken voice that kind of uh, enhances the mysterious element to her. Like, we're not sure, like, Oh, is she like a bad girl or what? what's her deal? I got to know more about her. And she really sells the drawing you in portion of it. And when we finally do get to episode one's first auditions and there's like a secret elevator that goes down into this mysterious audition chamber with a talking giraffe, then like at that point, Patricia has accurately built up the intrigue about her character. And so when you finally see her sword fighting on the stage there, that was, it was well rewarding. It was very rewarding to finally get an idea about, like, okay, she's here to audition. Why are they sword fighting? I don't know. So I got nothing but good things to say about uh, Patricia on this one. Um, also, I, I like the fact that, and this might just be me trying to find dialects where they don't exist, but it sounded like she had an East Coast dialect, whereas more of the other characters sounded like they were actually from the Midwest area, fitting with the Texas casting. Patricia sounds like she came, like, from more of a almost a New York or almost a Pennsylvania portion of the country. Um, again, I like dynamic casts where, ensemble casts, where all the characters have distinct voices that you can understand, you know who they are without having to look at the screen and uh, realize who it is who is speaking. And that happens quite a bit. Like in the first uh, episode, there's a dorm scene where all the characters are talking and the camera isn't always focused on all of them. So, so good on casting and good on Patricia and Maggie for their performances. And that brings us to the final circle of this review. We have finally gotten to the grand finale. Not quite the curtain call yet. This is the final scene where we get to talk about who is arguably the lead character of the show. And that is one and only Karen Ijo. Yes, because every show about an idol group or a theater group or anything like this needs a peppy underdog, I can do it personality character. And in that, we got us one Karen. And she also has a crown clip in her hair, which means that she is, of course, the queen of the group. No, she's yeah. not the queen. No, <laughs> well, she is the only one to get a transformation sequence, which is like the most eco thing of this entire show. <laughs> yeah, that, that it's yeah. 
It, it's a weird transformation you are too. Wrong. It kind of reminded me of Kill a Kill in the transformation sequence. You know, it, it's the. That's, uh, need to... I, no, I mean, I mean, you would need to very specifically see that show. But if you've seen like see the three of Sarah Lamoon, there's like the, uh, there's like this very specific thing that happens in every episode that involves like it, uh, it involves like a transformation sequence in a microwave with monsters. And um, yeah, it. Oh yeah, that <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. It reminded me a lot of that. The transformation scene reminded me a lot of that. Okay, <laughs> let me write that, that down. I'm making a note for later tonight for stuff to watch. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, Jet, since you got me thinking about microwaves now, um, who did you think was gonna play Karen? Okay. Um, so okay. So I had I knew right away who I wanted because. I was thinking, okay, bright, bubbly personality that's also a bit of a dork. Uh, for, like, and sometimes actors. And there's only one person for me who I thought would really work here, and that would be one Brittany Karbaski. Ah. Yep, yep, she's uh, she's kind of got that under lock and key. All right, um, uh, Jamal, what, what what are you thinking? I'm not like you said idols and underdogs. I had... Margaret McDonald, but I also had Jade Saxton because again I was making love life comparisons and Carol kind of reminds me of Chica a bit. Now who wait who I, does, I'm sorry who does Jade play in uh, um, Love Life Sunshine? She plays the weed. Orange. Yeah, she's the orange haired girl. Okay, because I'm just gonna throw out I, that I also had Jade as my prediction. Yeah, I also had Christina Kelly. For some difficult, I guess because of Umaro John, her lovely personality. But I'm kind of kicking myself because I don't want to call her a low hanging fruit, but I let's just say it should have been obvious to me, but we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah, hold, hold on to that fruit. Hold on to it for now. And uh, speaking of low hanging fruit, Lilac, you are the last to give us your predictions. I don't see how I'm the low hanging fruit, but okay. I, I was trying to make a stretch where it's like, okay, the lilac plant is a ground plant, but it can also go up really high, too, so I guess that's not technically low-hanging, but I, I, the, the metaphor lilacs also aren't Lilacs also aren't fruit? No, but they're, they smell like they're sweet. I, just talk! Just give your prediction, woman! Your logic has been broken. It's like, so, it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm sorry. It is not three o'clock in the morning! I know, I'm going for a dramatic flair here. God damn it. Anyway, so Karen is bubbly and peppy and has so much personality and energy to her. There is only one correct answer to this prediction, and her name is Brittany Karbowski. Because she can encapsulate so much personality in Karen's character I, that I would not accept anything else. <laughs> Jamal, was that the low-hanging fruit you were talking about? Yes, and now I'm just kicking myself with the low-hanging foods for not guessing. All right, gotta keep kicking away because it was indeed Brittany Karpowski. Jet is right. Lilac is right. Me and Jamal are in our pity party kicking ourselves, but that's okay because it means we get to listen to an awesome voice actress to voice Karen. And Jet, high five. We got yeah, it, man. Yeah, high five. <laughs> Yay. It, it took you to there the end go. of the I just cla I clapped my hands to make the high five work. There we go. Yay. <laughs> So Brittany got this. is one of the actresses who has been jumping between Sentai, ADV, Funimation, all over the state of Texas. So I'm going to list roles that she's been in that are all over the place. She is I 
in uh, Beyond the Boundary. She is Blackstar in Soul Eater. She is Hisoka in Food Wars. And she is another Karen, Karen Tendo in Gamers. It's a wide variety of uh, First off... <laughs> Second of all, it's Hisako. You're right. I'm sorry. My handwriting was off. <laughs> Good job. Hisako. <laughs> <laughs> I realized the mistake that just happened. God damn. Bravo, Noah. Bravo. Uh, I take my bow. I take uh, my bow. Run away with all the money. I just kind of imagine Karen going, sweet. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, We do this for you, people. We make mistakes for your enjoyment. Speaking of your enjoyment, um, Jamal, did you enjoy Brittany as Karen in this show? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause, that was a dramatic cause here's pause. The thing. No, because here's the thing. If you, if you listen to this recording right now, if you go to my Twitter right now, I have a banner. It's just a picture of me and her as Lord of Supercar. Yes. Like, I had been waiting so long to be here. Like, you have no idea. You just... Like, before Brynn, before a lot of the other voice actors, Brittany was the one I, actress I identified with the most. Like, she has one tone of voice, but she manages to spin that into a variety of performances. Like, it's like... Uh, like, her acting is pretty much on point to, like, she even has, like, a little signature squirrel you hear every now and then, especially, like, if you're watching Carrie Cry this show, or if you watch, like, School Lift, which I thought that was way over the top, until you realize why. Yeah, the, the, the last minute of that show sucker punches you pretty hard. Oh, you have no idea. No, I do, because I don't know if you saw the episode that we did, but... Uh, we can't. Oh, I okay. Okay. Right. So, so you know my own reaction to the show. Yeah. So pretty much, I have no fault with Brittany. She's a good sport. And I know she's a good sport with Dub Talk. Like, I told her about this, and I think she says she retweets a lot of our stuff at times. She so does. She's gonna, she's gonna be very excited to hear this episode, and I know I was very excited to hear her performance because this is this had to have been a passion project for her, like. Every bit of acting, because this she even said that this like took her back to like her old theater days. Mm -hmm. Like, so when you can play a character that relates to you very easily, the acting will, the acting will do its job, and the voice will follow. And for Brittany, it works one hundred fifty percent. Wow, that that's like not even mathematically possible. It isn't this. Yeah, world. I mean. I it, it, yeah, in a, in a, I know. I know world with talking. I know some. <laughs> yes, I I know some people at times would have an issue with the performance of other shows, but I think she manages to hit the nail on the head pretty well here. I mean, that's a, one of the things that I have on the negative side. I've heard people say about Britney is just that her her pep and energy is could be misplaced in some shows, but. I, I think we're going to agree that it wasn't misplaced in the show. It was just enough what we needed for a show like this. Like, if you like if you be a person, Karen is pretty much Brittany. Yeah. Might just the lesbian undertone. But... I'm not going to say anything. 
I'm not Ethan. I'm done. Just don't dig your hole further. No, <laughs> no. I'm taking your shovel away from you. And I'm passing that shovel over to Lilac because I want to know what you thought about Britney's performance. I'm going to keep this short and sweet because there is no other answer than Britney Karbowski as Karen. <laughs> like... If this was on the Funimation side, then maybe there would be. But in in terms mm. of here, like maybe even then on the Funimation side, there is no correct answer. Brittany Karbowski is the only answer. Because <laughs> Brittany has such a passion and sincerity to Karen and this daydreamer kind of quality too in the performance. Because Karen is a bit of a daydreamer as well. Um, wanting to achieve her dreams and star in a show with Hikari. But um, yeah, Brittany has amazing energy amazing sincerity uh and a lot of heart given into this role so i absolutely love it it's one of my favorites of the show so again lesson of the day the correct answer is always in this case Brittany karbowski that's it <laughs> now my question then to you is we understand that mm -hmm. she's got the fun peppy um loves the theater portion of her what about the more right. dramatic portions of it? Do you think that that is conveyed well enough by her natural voice? Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess Jet again the only oh. Oh, the only correct answer is Brittany Karbowski. Down, down. Yes, yes, we get it. You are wearing the Brittany Karbowski fangirl shirt as we speak and waving the banner over your head, saying "Britney for president." In the meantime, <laughs> I don't know about that far, but I I don't know either. A anyways, uh, Jet. <laughs> Okay. Take it away, Jet. Bring us back to Earth. Okay, um, so since she was my pick for Karen, I was obviously pretty happy to see her cast here, and, um, I was definitely very pleased that her performance turned out. Um, she gives Karen a very bubbly and hyperactive sense of energy without, you know, pouring too, too much sugar into it, and manages to make Karen sound so enthusiastic about everything that it's hard not to be enthusiastic about her performance. And uh, that also really manages to carry into how she plays Karen on the stage side of things. Uh, because I actually felt like out of the entire cast, she actually gave the more theater-esque performance to me of the whole when it comes to, like, the performance stuff. And uh, I really appreciated that she managed to make Karen sound like she would be a very good actor while somehow managing to keep her in character. And I know, and I know it can be a really bit of a challenge to, you know, your acting and you need to make a character sound like an actor. Um, so I'm very impressed that Brittany manages to pull that off. Uh, you can definitely tell she was having a lot of fun with this role and that there was a lot of passion going into it. And I felt very passionate about it too. So yeah, nothing to Yay. say, but good job, Brittany. This was great. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'll see. If we've got three people who are absolutely on board with it, I guess I'm going to have to be the grumpy realistic harsh reality person you better let's face not, it you're not going to honestly say that britney absolutely soared in this role and i'm so glad that she's here to stay because this is a it's a kind of um it's an archetypal anime role to have the you know larger than life personality who kind of injects love and passion into everybody else like we've seen it in um little witch academia we saw it in school live we saw it in a ton of other shows so, and if you're 
someone who is like maybe a grouchier person like maybe it doesn't work for you but in a show like this that is all about the theater it's all about aspiring to your dreams because let, let's be honest people theater is a job it is a cruel grinding job that can take a lot out of you but at its best the best qualities of it to a performer is that it like elevates you beyond the real world and brings you into nirvana or shangri-la when like when you're really connected with the performance and that's something that karen absolutely portrays with the way that Br britney acts and what i like about this is that she gets really passionate to a point that she's like almost lecturing some people at times but she never sounds angrier about it like she doesn't get upset and huffy she's just very super passionate about it like the best kind of super fans you can find and that's honestly why i'm really glad that britney got to play this part and i'm also glad from what you say jamal that she is enjoying it a whole lot too like i love hearing when uh voice actors and directors and writers really enjoy what they're doing because again anime dubbing can be a job sometimes and sometimes it can be a yeah. chore but when it re when you really enjoy it like when you really find something that makes you remember why you love anime in the first place that mm -hmm. is that is felt by the listeners as well trust us we can feel that so wonderful on you. yeah that's up so no no go on are we going to the final thoughts yet yeah I'm, yeah i'm going to so i'm I guess I'm gonna take the sword here. I'm going to slash through the into our final thoughts, and I'm pointing my sword at Jamal because uh, I think you've got some things on your chest you want to say. Yeah, because a lot of times people forget that voice actors are actors too. I mean, you get the acted down first before you get the voice. That way it follows. So when I hear like dubs like this, like pretty much the deciding factor for me was how an actor manages to maintain their flow because sometimes the voice may not always be right. It may always be how they handle their acting. And there were some hits, obviously there were some misses, but I I felt it was a, a pretty decent balance. I'm going to keep with the show to the end, pretty much. Because I, cause I, A, I want to know how this is going to go down plot-wise, but B, I want to hear more of the songs too. And Starlight Review... It's funny, I'm not a theater person, but I I would gladly love to learn if given the chance, you know, because I, I, I feel like this is something that could interest me. You never know. And, that's just, and acting brings a lot of joy to other people, so Starlight Review for the win. I mean, it's not going to be one of my best dubs of the year, but it's pretty decent from what, where it's standing right now. Wow. I mean, I'm glad to hear of anything that makes people interested in the world of theater. Um, absolutely. C come on, come to the theater world. We have cookies. As I've clearly been shown throughout this entire episode. Uh, uh, Trust me, if work wasn't a pain in the ass, I would. <laughs> I feel you, I feel you. Like, I I'd love to do, like, uh, community theater as well, but I also don't, I just don't have the time. Like, I'm assuming you'd want to do the same thing if you had the time, Jamal. I... Uh... I want to get back into theater so bad, but work just eats up everything. Oh, all right. In that case, tell us a little bit, Lilac, about how much you love the show and how you wish that you were a Toku... Um, I'm just going to call it a Zuka Club performer. <laughs> <laughs> um, this... this The show, I think, is a lot of fun. I, It has me, like again, really wanting to get back into theater because i mean i went again i went to school for this and it's a shame that unfortunately all my time is eaten up by work but um in terms of the dub 
I'm not going to say it's the most ambitious one I've seen this year, but it comes pretty close. And in terms of the casting performances anyway. And I think I'm enjoying it a lot. Like despite some of obviously the more the more um I don't want to call it controversial, but the more debated, there it is, more debated casting and performance choices here. Mm-hmm. I I like the diversity. I like the dynamics in the cast here and the performances I'm enjoying quite a bit. There are characters that I, at least for me at this stage, after only seeing four episodes, I need to see more of, which is a fair assessment because there are some characters that are kind of just in the background right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not doing a whole yeah. ton, a whole lot, at least from what I've seen, a.k.a. Kadoko and I probably Futaba. Nana. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, Nana. Yeah. Probably more Nana rather than Futaba. Because um, at least Futaba has had a little, had that little little match with um, Claudine. But um, there are some characters that need a bit more time. Um, and despite some performances like starting out rough, they're really developing and I can see the vision here and where everything is going and I am enjoying it a lot. Um, so yeah, it's this one's probably not one of my favorite dubs of the year so far, but it is very well done and I'm enjoying it. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Now, Jet, we, uh, we, we need to hear some harsh, bitter criticism for the whole show. Um, what you got for us? Okay, um, so in terms of the show, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, well, I need it more for the, you know, more for, like, the Ikuhara Shoujo stuff than, like, the theater elements. Um, I find both aspects to be pretty interesting, and it definitely is, like, you know, making me a little bit more interested in theater, and, uh, in particular, like, more about, uh, the Takazura review, so, like, uh, but I'm so, hey, the show has achieved its main purpose in that respect, so that's great. Uh, yep. <laughs> okay, and, uh, as far as the dub itself goes, um, I say, uh, I mean, I mean, there's, like, uh, some of the casting choices I like a lot. Some, some I think are pretty good. Some I'm like not so okay on. But um, oh, they'll be like, oh no, I think it's a, pre- oh no, I think it's a pretty like serviceable dub. It's uh, definitely not one of my favorites of the year, if only because this has been like a really good year for me dub wise. I mean, uh, but I mean, but I mean, but it's definitely good. Uh, but it's definitely good enough that like if you wanted to watch the show in English, it'll do you fine. And um, and yeah, this is definitely a show I would recommend. So by all means, please watch it. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because th- this is definitely this is a show so heavily seeped in the world of Japan, or at least their entertainment world. That it's interesting that you say that it, this is okay to watch in English, like. You didn't think that there was anything on the cultural level that was lost by watching it in English versus Japanese? Uh, not particularly, no. Okay. I mean, that's good. That, that's the goal of an adaptive uh, script, or an adaptive dub, is to make it so that you can understand it just fine without losing anything. And, and to finalize this out, I'm... Also, the kind of person who uh, is interested in or getting more interested in theater through this—not um, that I wasn't already—but just reminds me what it was I loved about theater to begin with. Um, it's that sense of exuding a portion of yourself that you don't get an opportunity to anywhere else in the world. You don't have an, that kind of outlet anywhere else, and it really does fill your entire personality when you really feel it within you. It's not a switch that you turn on and off when it's when you know your call is up on stage it is something that really resonates within you all all times so as far as this show itself 
yes, I agree. The dub is uh, one that I can recommend on par with the sub. It, it is just as good as if you were to watch it in Japanese because all of the actors have the dramatic chops to portray the range of thoughts that all the characters are having. All of them portray a different element of what someone who goes into theater could be like. And this doesn't have to just be the Takarazuka review. It could be for if you're in a musical theater, if you're in Broadway, if you're in small indie productions, or if you're just local high school productions, there is something about this that can resonate with you. Which is why I'm a little critical about the show's writing itself. I don't mean the dub, I just mean the show itself. Because for the good standalone episodes that this has, because there's a lot of really good standalone episodes, I don't really quite feel the overall arcing plot. Um, it differentiates this from an Ikuhara show, which, yes, we've been making unfair comparisons to, but it's a little apt. Because Ikuhara had an overarching plot to all of his shows. Even though there were strong individual episodes, they stacked up and created an overall plot that you could follow along with. This one, I'm not quite so sure. It feels a little meandering for that. That might be what they're and, going for, but it's... They're definitely like a very clear direction it's going for as of like the last few episodes. I'm not sure how it's going to end, but it definitely is very clearly going somewhere. I, I don't, yeah, I'm not quite sure I feel a strong plot exactly, but that shouldn't take away from the... As, uh, um, I, feel, I, mean, I, I feel like if you see the, like, most recent episode that the dub got to, you'll kind of you'll, you'll get a feel for, like, where the show is probably might be heading for. I, perhaps. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I still, like, I'm, you're right, I'm only seven twelfths of the way through the show, but that's... I mean, I want to just focus on the good portions of the individual episodes, because every actor who has gotten uh, standout moments of this got the dramatic portions of it along well. Uh, John's direction made sure that they stayed believably dramatic without being overly campy, and Joel's script did not allow anything to be lost in the translation, so every dramatic portion of this was easily conveyed over. Even if you're not a theater person, I think there's a lot here that you can take away from this, so... With that, I give this my coveted It's Pretty Good Award. I'm sure they're so happy about that. Uh, <laughs> and with that, and with that, everyone, I want you to uh, come on out for uh, Curtain Call. Everyone out. Uh, we got Jamal, Jet, Lilac, and Noah. Grab hands. Bow. One, two, three, bow. <laughs> bow. And then indicate to the, the lighting crew. Indicate to the wings. And then take Since one more bow. We have a lighting crew? How does this fucking work? You're ruining the illusion. That's what I'm here for, Noah. <sighs> well, what I, I thought you were here to tell us about uh, where people can watch this amazing show. That's your so, job. Damn it, you're right. Okay. <laughs> so, st uh, Review Starlight is currently airing in both sub and dub over on High Dive, which is Sentai Filmworks' premier streaming service that has not only uh, the latest shows that they are simulcasting, uh, airing new episodes every week, but they also have their entire backlog of everything from the Sentai and the ADV library. Um, it is only... $4.99 a month! Yes, only $4.99 a month if you sign up, which is a real steal. You can also get it for $3.99 if you already signed up and were locked into their pre their promotional amount. Highly recommend that. It's a good use of 5 or $4. Um, but, however, if you want to follow us, we are absolutely free! Yes, we cost you $0 for your enjoyment. You're very welcome. And you can follow us on all of the social media feeds. 
Uh, we have our YouTube channel here, which if you're listening to, please subscribe and hit that notification bell. We really appreciate it. As of recording, we are close to 2,000 subscribers. We really appreciate getting to pass that landmark amount. We also have a Twitter account, which is Dub Talk Podcast, which is the most convenient way to get in touch with us or to find out what it is that we are doing. We also have a couple of other social media feeds, like we have Instagram, which is Dub Talk Podcast, a Tumblr, Dub Talk Podcast, and if you really want to see Lilac go at games during her free time, you can follow us on Twitch, which is also Dub Talk Podcast. Trying to do more with the Twitch channel, at least. What game were you playing, like, last week? I forget. Doki Doki Literature Club. Ah, That yeah. was a fucking experience and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not touching that thing with a 39 I have some, I have, Oh, no, you should. It is... I have somehow managed to avoid not... I have somehow managed to avoid getting spoiled on that. I know literally nothing about it. It is so much fun. <laughs> I, I, I feel like... Now, Jet, I feel like not knowing anything about it is even worse because your imagination just fills in like you think it could be worse than it probably <laughs> no, like, is. No, like, no, I don't even have any opinions on how bad it could be. It's just kind of like, I don't know anything. People are just kind of like, oh man, it's really shocking. It's kind of like, well, meh. It's like, yeah, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, uh, Jet, why don't you tell us about what you're doing when you're not recording episodes for Dub Uh When I'm uh, not here, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at the Vindega or Jet uh, Zero Infinity. Um, you can also occasionally find me writing things on a fandom post, still doing My Hero Academia Season 3. And I also occasionally write things on my blog, Animation Infinity. I'm trying to do more reviews, so hopefully that works out. Cool. Alright, thank you. Jamal, what are you doing, man? Uh, pretty much an assistant editor for this channel. I could be found on my other channel, Jamstar One. I have a blog which I've yet to do anything with. Um, usually too busy with real life. Oh, curse that real life! It's okay most of the time. It's just the other aspects of it is kind of a pain. If only we did. If only we didn't have to earn money, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have a complaint or issues, that could be also be found at uh, Mega Man 9000. <laughs> there it is! <laughs> there is a reason he's called the tasteless joke target, apparently. A- Andrew, I love you, but unfortunately, you are very, very easy to tease. And he's he's so happy to take it, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> hey, hey, if, if, I w- if I got to be Andrew and it means that I got a copy of Anohana, I would take all of the shit, too. <laughs> you, you, but you didn't graduate from college this year. That was Andrew. Well, you should have come. We should have known each other when I did graduate, then. That, that was a long-ass time ago. Anyway. So, all right, so tell us what you're doing with uh, your uh, extensive free time, Lilac. What free time? extensive free time <laughs> what free time the, you know the many hours you just uh, you, you know you've got uh, hoarding over the entire world and ruling it with an iron fist i fucking wish <laughs> uh no if you're interested in any of my daily life and shenanigans you can follow me on twitter at lalic anime review similar to how star review starlight is spelled because that's how this hey. game works <laughs> 
I can finally, use that this time. It finally made sense. It makes sense now. Nobody can look at me like, why is it spelt that way? Now we know. It's all, it Now you all understand. You made a Twitter account five years ago in preparation for this show that wasn't even thought of yet. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Um, She's yeah, just that forward thinking, people. Outside. Lilac anime with you, Starlight. Sounds nice. That actually does sound nice. Probably not within the character limit, though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's really the only place you can follow me in any of my weird shenanigans. Fair enough. And, uh, my own weird shenanigans can be followed on Twitter at NoahClue, where cartoons are the name of the game, and we talk about everything that any one of the cool kids are talking about. Like those really cool, uh, that movie The Breadwinner that you should all go check out. I'm just gonna throw that in there for no good reason. I also have a YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash journey traveler um to be announced um uh, for more stuff to come on that who knows what's going to happen and with that we are wrapping up production i think it's time for all of us to go to the rap party Woohoo! yay yes we have all of the snacks we have all of the cocaine and hookers at the dub talk theater rap party yeah, I know a good way to end this show right now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And it shall be bestowed upon you, the star which you have logged for. Together, we will all do starlight. No, we won't. What are you talking about? No, no. no together, we have all done starlight. I'm, I'm, we've all done with you, starlight. We have. We have. I'm going to give him a very modest golf clap. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that was a be that was a better way than I had to end this. I was just going to say I was gonna take all the money and run. <laughs> I would have chased after you. Yeah, yeah, you would have. <laughs> and with that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Go forth and sparkle. Alright, I took it on, my friends. Bye! Keep it starry. Aloha. Did you just say keep it starry? Yes, he did. He just went there. Okay. Whereas with the direction, the direction was pretty serviceable. Banana food. Wait, I got a banana. Banana food. Hello. <laughs> oh God. How old are you? <laughs> I forgot the banana ice joke, uh, but yeah. I am five years old. Uh, Leave me alone. Hello.